0: This week in the Empire Podcast, we try to wrap our heads around the notion of a new Star Wars film. Yes, a new Star Wars film in 2015. We also have four, yes, four amazing interviews with the likes of Jason Biggs, Brian Cranston, the current Doctor Who, Mr. Matt Smith, and the legend that is Sir Roger Moore. All that and reviews of the week's new films in a podcast that's packed more tightly than the Sarlacc's stomach. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the Empire Podcast, the only movie podcast that's open and willing to listen to all Offers from Disney We'll start a bidding At 1.5 billion Dollars mm-hmm. And we'll see How we go from there It's a snap uh, it's price It's cheap At twice the price I was saying. Uh, I'm joined as ever By a fair Jedi council Of Empire colleagues Starting with a lady Who's feisty Commanding Spirited And in love With her own brother It is of course Our very own Princess Leia Helen O'Hara
1: Hello I was actually Princess Leia In the primary school Playground versions Of Star Wars Not the gold Bikini Leia Um Let's say no.
0: Next up see stuck up half witted scruffy looking art house loving herzog hugging nerf herder. Let us fill the assembly and hey Phil. Hi Chris. I guess that makes you hand solo. I know. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Good. <laughs> 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 Next up's our very own Grand Moff Tarkin, a figure of pure evil who's proud of the technological terror he's constructed. It's the editor of Empire Online, Mr. James Dyer. Charming Sorry. to the last.
2: You don't know how hard it was
0: signing the order to terminate your life. <laughs> I thought of that detecting your foul stench when you were brought into the pod booth. Um, and because we're talking about Star Wars, we thought we'd bring in Empire's Mr. Star Wars as well. We've got five people in a four-person pod booth because Ian Freer is that important. Hello, Ian. Hello, Christopher. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. Good. Excellent. Very exciting. It is, isn't it? It's huge news um, because normally we'd start with readers' questions and we would uh, then discuss the week's movie news at some point but the big news this week in case you've missed it if you were holidaying on Tatooine, for example uh, was so staggering we've decided to conflate the two to a a point Uh, That news is, of course a stunning revelation that Disney having rifled down the back of the sofa for some shillings have bought Lucasfilm from George Lucas for the princely sum of $4.05 billion and as part of that they've made the announcement that Star Wars Episode Seven will be coming our way with Lucas Evolved as a creative consultant but not writing or directing in 2015 as the first part of what will probably be a new trilogy Uh, and then there'll be followed by a string of Star Wars films beyond that one word and the second word wow and what, what's, your, what's your reaction well, to this?
3: Well, it's, A, it's very exciting. But B, I, I don't think you can mention the most exciting thing about that package. The exciting thing for me is that Kathy Kennedy is producing. And if people don't know, Kathy Kennedy is Steven Spielberg's producer since E.T. She works on Raiders, all the, all the way up to Warhorse and Lincoln. Uh, and the great thing about her is that she's about story, story, story. Mm-hmm. She will interrogate that story to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. And um, I think a lot of the, problems that, the story problems that the prequels had would have been ironed out if Kathy Kennedy had been
0: working on them. And then she was appointed co-chairman of Lucasfilm a few months ago. In June, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: And which we all absolutely <laughs> explained that was a bit of a, a <laughs> confounding decision of why that happened. And this is all becomes clear now, doesn't it? Some, like, some sort of Palpatine revelation. Yes, because we, we thought
0: from, that uh, Lucas was going to step up some more feature film production for himself. And to be fair now, he can retire to his garage, which is probably the size of a small town.
3: Yeah, and, and those- fingers crossed he will make his, his avant-garde... Uh, very personal esoteric little films which he's always wanted to do until Star Wars derailed him from doing that he's not shy of a few shells. no he's not no he can do that he can do that yeah
0: absolutely
2: No, and if, and if
3: he doesn't like showing them he doesn't have to show them and uh, James you like Ian and
2: myself I, are obsessed could, Star could Wars. not be more excited about it. it's. It's it, it, there was an inevitable sort of tide of sort of fan backlash oh god it's going to be the prequels all over again oh woe is me and he's just like really can you not I mean there's, a, there's an element that if you cannot be excited that there's more Star Wars films coming you should just go home do we not think that's true well yeah really? I mean, we, we have
0: we have questions here for example for some some readers uh, at Ben RC Gander asks how soul crushing I mean it's just the, 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 the language that it's used is quite yeah. instructive I think how soul
2: crushing is the announcement of Star Wars episode 7 why would it be soul crushing I don't what get what about this. it is soul crushing in even if you're to, to take the position that, you know, the, the prequels are the worst things in the world, which they are absolutely not, you know, all that does is it levels the playing fields we were discussing earlier. It, yeah. it essentially lowers expectation to a more manageable level, where surely these will be something that we can look forward to.
0: One guy, uh, I don't have his name written down here because I didn't, I didn't take it down, but he sent in a question to us which essentially said, uh, I would rather take a <laughs> in my hands and then clap than watch episode seven. Now, that seems to me to be a slight overreaction, don't you think? I mean, this is this is a good thing. What, if, for example, if it was David Fincher's episode seven, would you really <laughs> in your hands and then clap then? No, you wouldn't. You'd be queuing up to see it.
1: I'm a little confused about your terminology. Oh, but what
2: <laughs> Don't you make that noise? <laughs> oh, God. You're I think that of, might just of be you. Of course, the bantha poodoo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no, I, I completely agree. And t- I'll tell you what, people who are getting that angry at the prospect of a new Star Wars film are going to be first in line to see it. Because if they didn't love it to begin with, they they couldn't get that angry about it, I think. And I think over the next few years, we're going to see the love creep back a little bit. Because... Yeah. You know, yes, all right, fine. The prequels didn't live up to our sky-high expectations. We can all agree on that. You know, even if Sith was, I think, the best of the three, even if it had the best moments of the three, it didn't leave us on that lingering high that we hoped for and that we had after the original trilogy. I get it. People were disappointed. But seriously, get over it and give, give this thing a chance. Because we loved the first ones. The fact that we didn't love the second ones as much doesn't mean it's blighted for all eternity and Absolutely. impossible to do well again. And,
0: and also the uh, Lucas for example who's been cast in many quarters as the great Satan of Star Wars despite the fact he was a man who made it great in the first place which is an interesting line of thinking is not involved with this he won't be writing it and directing it and a lot of people laid the blame for the prequels at his door so therefore it's a good thing as long as you get the writers and directors right surely.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah there's a very funny thing I was into with Kathy Kennedy and George Lucas online yesterday and and George was saying that he's become a fan again he's really looking forward to being a fan and Kathy Kennedy was saying yeah you can go online and slag it all off again <laughs> <laughs> it's a good line.
2: set yeah, up a blog and tell us what we're getting wrong please
4: yeah, George
3: yeah
2: absolutely from a purely sort of like non-selfish point of view I love the idea that there are kids now who are living in a world where Star Wars films are coming yeah. do you know what I mean because this, this is such a defining part of my childhood is l- looking forward to Star Wars Star Wars the film's coming is amazing and I think you know even, kids had it with the prequels as well but we were living were living in a post Star Wars world because the Clone Wars really don't do it on their own and I love the idea you know as a parent that my kids would be able to go and see Star Wars films and so Mm. it's amazing
3: I also think, you know, with, with the Disney thing, um, if you're a Disney nerd like me, uh, Princess Lara has become a Disney princess. <laughs> that's, it's very exciting. That's, that's very good. good.
1: Um, but I think when we, if what we've seen from Disney with Pixar and Marvel is that they will leave well enough alone. They're not going to start yeah. giving everybody a small fawn to be their best friend or, you know, hummingbirds around their heads, uh, singing songs But the mouse robot is getting
2: ears. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Well, so that I, I wouldn't rely. But, you know, I, th- I think they can more or less be trusted. And I also think right now, with, with the prequels, George Lucas did it himself, essentially. Right now, he's not going to do that. We know that. We also know that every single filmmaker in Hollywood pretty much grew up on these films. Every single filmmaker in Hollywood was inspired by these films. Yeah, Who uh, isn't going to want to do it?
0: there's going to be a line run to block. Who isn't I going think. to take that meeting? And the seriously. thing with Disney as well is that uh, Lucas kept the budgets of the three prequels down to a very manageable level for him because, after all, it was, it was his own cash. Um, and I, I get the sense that Disney wouldn't be afraid of a $200 million budget for a Star Wars film. i right?
3: No, no, absolutely. I think they've got their director now.
0: You think they have? Oh, do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I don't know who, who is he I, I don't Come know. On. I don't know. But
3: I just think that they're they're so savvy. That Cavi Kennedy is so savvy that that they've got screenwriters. haven't they've talked about. They've got a couple of screenwriters well, the, working the, on it. This is interesting because the, 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 right. the
0: treatment is uh, going off what George said in the uh, in the video. He says I've written treatments for mm. Seven, Eight, Nine, and a bunch of other films beyond that. So, I, but we'll speculate about it in a, in a second. But so, are these are these his own treatments? And do they have a script? Well,
3: I thought that that Kathy Kane talked about the the, the really exciting part now because they're working with writers, right? Mm. So I think uh, yeah, they're she two says writers. she yeah. says
2: we're kicking about ideas. Let's be yeah. honest, I think they've got their premise. It's just a case of ironing out who's going to write it, how it going to be written. Twenty fifteen, I don't know exactly. Twenty fifteen,
0: presumably, usually May is a is a date for Star Wars. Isn't yeah, it? May twenty so fifth. May twenty fifth. 2015. When's Avengers 2 coming out? Oh, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a hell of a showdown, yeah, <laughs> isn't it? But of course, they're both Disney, so one of those might well move. You know, well, I don't know. We'll see how. how, how yeah, I'm go. Team Star Wars. I'm
3: saying hell. Yeah, I yeah. um, I'm not gonna
0: make that
1: call. I, mean, I, I can't make that call.
0: I can't. You're asking me to put my you know one half of my childhood against the other half. Yeah, I will. I will not do that. Um, 2015. So starts filming next year. Probably late next year you would say?
1: Middle of next year, I'd say.
0: Middle of next year in order to get all the special effects done or at the very latest, early 2014. Yeah. So you'd need to have a script done. Yeah, so do you think, we're going to talk about this in a second, take some more readers' questions, but Spielberg? Spielberg, I I mean, Spielberg starts Robo Apocalypse
3: in March. So that takes him out for for a year, I guess. Um, So... There's some crackpot theories going around that that Robo Apocalypse is some sort of cover story for the Star it's Wars. The new Blue
4: War, which
3: which uh, would be so exciting if that's true. Uh, I I think Spielberg, I think that's
0: unfair a little bit to the the author of Robo Apocalypse, isn't it? It is, <laughs> yes, yes, Daniel Bilgus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: but um, so no, I think you know I, I interviewed Spielberg once. He told me he'd love to direct a Star Wars film, and he was going to direct a Star Wars film, and, and George he had a big row with George about it. So if that happens. I'll just, I'll just die a happy man if Steven Spielberg <laughs> yeah. directs a Star Wars movie. That's
0: just, that's the end of it. Well, there's one every three years uh, if Disney would to be believed. So he okay, may still get his chance. Gee, okay, so let's take some meters questions then. So this is from at uh, Keeler Kai. Uh, he says, uh, or she, sorry, uh, what went through your mind when you first heard of Disney taking over Lucasfilm? The very first reaction? I was very excited. I thought that Disney
3: have proved they can do uh, handle fan expectation and turning around the Marvel properties mm. so why wouldn't they do such a good job with Star Wars
5: I didn't really like the last three films I think it comes with a lot, a lot of people and so I'm trying to reconcile what this one's going to look like what the aesthetic of the film's going to be I love the kind of slightly grimy sort of run-in feel to the first three Star Wars films and mm-hmm. I would love to see that them looking a little bit like that again it's really hard to conceptualise until we know who's going to be directing them yep. but I hope they're not as much of a sort of galaxy of CGI as 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 the Lucas ones I'm so excited and just can't wait to find out a bit more about what direction it's going to go and who's going to be writing it Fantastic
2: James the first thing that went through my head was something along the lines of oh my god um,
4: <laughs> it's so like,
2: exciting like you became a, t- a teenager <laughs> yes very much so uh, yeah I, I the thing is when they announced and again I was saying this in the office earlier on, when they announced uh, episodes 1, 2 and 3 at the time the rumour the scuttlebutt at the time was he was going to do 1, 2 and 3 and then he was going to do 7, 8 and 9 now he's said that was never the case. The internet kind of wasn't around back well, then. Well this is a very old rumor. He was talking about yep. episode seven, eighty yep, nine yep, back yep. around the time of Empire and-, and And I you know, that's what I expected. And then it was oh no it's just gonna be one, two and three. But I've even now I've been waiting for the other shooter drop. Do you know what I mean? It's I want to know what happens afterwards because I've read loads of the expanded universe stuff and played loads of the games, whatnot, but it's not the same. Do you know what I mean it's not it doesn't feel canonical. Well Lucas has never really considered it no in canon. no. They, so, I mean, they have uh, a lot I, of time for it, obviously. They make a lot of money yeah. off it, but um, but I, no, you're right. It's not considered canonical. The only thing that that is is, is really Clone Wars. I
0: it? see a lot of people saying, for example, oh, it should be Admiral Thrawn and all that sort of stuff. No. And I just think that yeah, no, should, I no, I
2: them. I do disagree. I think I don't think they'll pick up any expanded universe stuff. And but there's a lot to be said for uh, Timothy Zahn's trilogy. Yeah, to be fair, I
3: think that might give a clue in that you know that's a uh, it's Han and Leia's children, and yeah. I think they might take it young. <SSSSSSSSSSR> yeah, yeah, that would seem a thing where you have young teens. Yeah, but I think that that, I that would seem to be a-
2: Definitely wouldn't rule out the appearance of expanded universe characters. Someone like probably not Thrawn because he's too major, but someone like Mara Jade, who's very popular. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine they'll they'll you know tip a hat to that kind of thing.
0: We'll get back onto this sort of stuff uh, in a little while. Helen, what was your immediate reaction?
1: Same thing. I just thought, well, good. I mean, uh, from honestly, Disney have kind of proved themselves recently for me with with Pixar and with Marvel simply by not messing with what's working and by supporting. That which works, but maybe they they might not have had the, the you know the resources to do on their own. If they do the same kind of thing with with Lucasfilm, I think that's got to be a good thing. And also, it's just a new Star Wars movie. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Why? Who who isn't excited about Lightsabers. that? Lightsabers. Lightsabers, man. I know. Come on. I know. We've get... got to give it the benefit of the doubt right now. There is no, uh... no other possible. Reaction.
0: Uh, well, yeah, no, no, but there is, and sadly, people are. Well. You know, but yeah, you know, anyway, uh, I I learned of the news uh, via text from Nick Desimilian, who texted me last night as I uh, came out of the tube at Finsbury Park Tube Station and flicked over my my phone and was like, simply said, "Star Wars episode uh, seven, two thousand and fifteen, lots of exclamation marks," and I went, "Oh my god!" And I went on, uh, I went online, checked it out, went Disney bought Lucasfilm. This is this is absolutely amazing, and my first thought, honestly, was I I could not wait to give episode 8 five stars in, uh, <laughs> in seven years time that's going to be that's going to be amazing um, moving swiftly on then uh, at Andy underscore 666 I should have been Order 66 uh, asks I really hope Luke can only be Mark Hamill Mara Jade going back to what you said and Kyle Katarn are in it mm. who do you want to see now we've kind of talked about the expanded universe a little bit mm. but there's a more pertinent question floating around the, these new Star Wars movies which is Luke Han Leia Lando Chewie God rest his soul. Yeah. Uh, how do, can they possibly be in this movie? Will they recast the characters if we're carrying on just straight from Episode Six? Will we see Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, uh, presumably with a dump truck of cash parked inside his house?
2: i be interested in what Karen Ian Fisher. says. I, I certainly there's a there's a place I think for for the older characters passing the baton certainly in episode 7 personally would like you know I'd like to see it I I certainly would have no problem with you know an older Han Solo being in there an older Mark Hamill even Carrie Fisher just to pass the baton on to to the next uh, generation of characters whether they would or not it's hard to I think it would ground it in the Star Wars universe quite nicely perhaps yeah um to be honest, I'm more interested in what they're going to do with the with the sort of setup because it's 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 the sort of we're in a post-empire universe if we're actually following on from Jedi, aren't we? But the empire to me defines Star Wars. So you then have to how do you treat do you treat it like the fall of Rome? Do you know, do you have an imperial remnant yeah. as they they've toyed with in the books? What do you do about the Sith? And know? how
3: how soon do you set it after the events of Return mm. of the Jedi? Absolutely. Do you jump right ahead, for, for, you know,
0: can you jump more than 100 years for example? So Good. we're following Skywalker's generation. The opening crawl yeah. can cover a
2: lot of ground. <laughs> it can.
1: I, I think. I think it's really important not to recast Han Solo. That's my yeah. One I agree. Well, any strong feeling on this? Don't recast yeah, anyone. Yeah. Actually, yeah. It, to, to be fair, but particularly Han Solo for me is the one you just don't touch. There's there are some characters. It's kind of like they talk about singers breaking a song. Aretha Franklin broke respect. Nobody else can do respect. Right. That 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 you know some roles have been broken. You can't recast them. That's my feeling. Oh, I love that.
0: That's great. <laughs> I don't know. I think we should have some sort of uh, superstar or, you know, how do you solve a problem like Maria type show where we right. find okay. a new Han Solo. <laughs> yeah. That sounds great. Yeah.
1: They could have made their budget back before the film even hits theatres. What a great idea. You evil, evil man. Disney
0: what? own ABC. They could put it on ABC. Oh my
1: goodness. We are going to get so many complaints.
0: If this happens, Disney, I want to cut.
1: If this that's happens, you're going to be strung up by your wrists. <laughs>
0: I wrote the Attack of the Clones review. I've survived so far. I'm okay. Aim, but on, you, but
3: you. My, my big, big hope for it is that it kind of wipes the slate. you, that you can wipe the slate clean now, and whatever the prequels did, they yeah. kind of wrap themselves up in, in different story knots. And I just want to see something that's simple, straightforward, and fun
2: and doesn't involve, you know, the taxation of trade routes, for example. Yeah,
3: or just <laughs> something that doesn't have to negotiate a load of backstory or a load of yeah, forward yeah, story yeah. to something that's just fun.
2: Well, they're free, aren't they? Mm. They're free to play yeah. in this sandbox that Lucas has created, which yeah. is a fantastic bit of world building, universe building, I should yeah. say more. I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal sci-fi property, and you're absolutely right. You know, cut yourself 50 years, 100 years away from Jedi, and you can do anything you want. Mm. But don't recast. But don't recast. i say Mark Hamill would do it.
0: i say Carrie Fisher would do it. Oh, I
1: don't know. Hmm.
0: Let's just say they would Okay Just for sake
2: of this argument Sure Would Harrison Ford I think he would Go back to Han Solo I, I think when the skip Full of gold Turns up in front of his <laughs> house it's here's the problem He so did, he did you return have
3: to-, to Indiana Jones When uh, In the Indiana Jones TV series When there was no Indiana Jones around So he did True He has yeah. kind
0: of made cameos as. But is there a sense In that he's, he's got more affection For Indiana Jones Than he has for Han Solo A little bit Yeah Okay Yeah That's probably true Yeah, but it's just interesting because also if you pay for example Harrison Ford $30 million don't you have to pay the other ones the not they won't parody? After all, this is Luke Skywalker's story.
1: That would be an awful lot of money Can you
0: imagine Mark Hamilton got 30, yes 30, I, won, I won $30 million $30 million or I'm not in Anthony Daniels, $30 million <laughs> So it becomes the most expensive movie oh ever made Hence the, the completely clean break That would be amazing uh, At David B. Cooper uh, is, Was the first person to ask Dream directors for episode 7 uh, on, on a related, you note, know, lots of people Have been throwing Joss Whedon's name into the mix Not realising of course that
2: He's already doing
0: it. he's yeah, no, kind of booked for twenty he's, he's
4: booked.
2: The screen director is without a doubt Steven Spielberg. I mean, Steven fucking hands, Spielberg. Hands <laughs> he's <good>. not <laughs> wrong. He's not wrong. But as we again, we said this earlier in the office. I would just kill to see James Cameron drop Avatar and come and do a, a Star Wars. <laughs>
1: <film>. <laughs> they could maybe yeah, operate some kind of um, crossover. Uh, yeah, crossover. A crossover. Yeah.
3: Yes. Where is Where is Peter Jackson at with the the Hobbit films by then? Is he, he's be yeah. done? He'll be done. Only
1: he'll he'll just. Be just done. Only just. Only just. He finishes.
0: 2014. Yeah,
1: the last one's out summer 2014. He'll be done by then. He'll, he'll love it. <laughs> he'll but, like,
0: it goes past, straight into, it, it, into what storms. What's past his prologue,
3: isn't it? When when you look at directors that I mean, maybe it's different with Disney, but when when Lucasfilm did it, they didn't choose the big superstar no. directors. They chose solid, good storytellers. Yeah. yeah, So who would fit into
0: that?
1: Well, the question. I'll David on, Yates. Yeah,
0: maybe. Do a lot worse. Uh, I think a dark horse could be Matthew Vaughn, who recently dropped out of X-Men Days mm. of Future Past is a massive Star Wars fan has a style that can translate to a number of genres as we've seen already he's very malleable as a director and uh, I think he's he's bold and brash enough to uh, take it on. Because that's face it. The director who, uh, as as much maligned as the prequels are, the director who follows George Lucas' footsteps has to have balls the size of the Millennium Falcon.
3: Yeah, and um, Art House Phil was saying to me it should be Werner
5: Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wrote down one car, why? Only he has the sort of artistic vision aesthetically I was talking about earlier slower less intense would be yeah. <laughs> would be his direction just let the camera roll just let it happen um, when it or says Terrence, like, Terrence well, Malick's backing um, I don't know or Drew Goddard or Josh Trank one of those new up and coming
1: yeah
0: I think Duncan Jones is a good shout I've
5: seen that Duncan Jones. bandied around a
0: lot I can see um, I can see
1: c- a Brad Bird happening I have to say that I that's think a good that's shout. been mentioned a lot online I know but um, you know he's he's shown he can handle a franchise with Mission Impossible he can he can certainly handle the effect as as well as the live action stuff and he's a heck of a storyteller
5: watch what happens when you mention andrew stanton's don't, name
2: don't go there see just don't it's go like a Pavlov's dog effect do not i
5: don't think i'm gonna i'm gonna disagree with james i i, I understand people didn't really like john carter oh but i wonder why didn't, didn't it? it's,
2: but <laughs> it's good john carter is good and <laughs> is. Not, in a world where there's no other film in the world it's oh. definitely good oh. Okay. The thing is, he's a great director, and and, and from an animated point of view, I've got a lot of time for him. That said, he has not proven himself as a live action director, and frankly, I do not want him to try and do that with Star Wars. Thanks very much.
4: And
3: who who are kind of Disney in house directors? It's Favreau. It's John Favreau, isn't it? John Favreau is now in house. And who else is a kind of you say is a Disney director? Gore Verbinski. Gore. Oh,
0: now that's good. Mm. Could happen. I like that one. Gore Verbinski. Yeah, I like him because again, he's he's someone who who doesn't really hugely stamp his personality. Tim Burton. His, his, Tim, I, Tim Burton's in
3: house at yeah, Disney. Yeah, I, I think Vabinsky has a kind of quirky sensibility that that isn't as straight arrow as Star Wars is. Mm. I think you look at especially the third Pirates movie, uh, which is a bit as mental aspects of that film. Yeah, N- not True. in a good way though. No,
0: well, whatever. <laughs> well, he, he took a gamble. He took a gamble. Yeah, and John, some
3: some of his non. Non pirate stuff, kind of, um, uh, Rango is kind of
1: that's a bit really mental. Out. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's fair. He's that's a bit very out yeah.
5: there. How is working for Kathleen Kennedy different from a Jerry Bruckheimer type production? I think when you look at a Jerry Bruckheimer film, it's clearly a Jerry Bruckheimer
3: film. I think Kathy Kennedy's sensibilities will, will adapt more to different kind of mm. things and, and she'll bring. What what is absolutely right for that story? So I think and I don't think she has that kind of stamp that Brookheimer has. She's Nick, more about the material.
0: Nick today uh, tweeted that he would really like to see Edgar Wright do Star Wars, and I, that's of course ignoring the fact that Edgar is committed now to Ant Man, also out for 2015. So I don't think he's he's in the running. Personally, I you know we we love Edgar's work here. I think he's too stylish too, too stylish for Star Wars. He's got too much of a of a voice already. But I think
2: someone like uh, Guillermo del Toro would be a, would be a
0: good mm. fit.
4: For, mm-hmm. for the
2: Star Wars universe. The question surely we're all asking is, is there room in Olivier make ton schedule to fit this in? <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> what kind of mean? Luke Besson? <laughs> yes,
0: no. Luke Besson's Star Wars. That would be deeply, deeply weird. <laughs> of course, David Lynch came so close, didn't he, to absolutely Return the Jedi. To, so, yeah. yeah, that would have been amazing, wouldn't it? John Carpenter Star Wars. He'd insist
5: on, a, on a being called John Carpenter Star Wars. That would be amazing. <laughs> what else does this mean for Disney? Can we see... Jar Jar and Goofy partnering up for some form of adventure, <laughs> or, or a Pixar Star Wars, or ooh, I mean, you ooh, can see that the merchandising is a factor as well in all of this—the toys and yeah. There's already talk that Pluto is a gungan, isn't there? There's, always that, there's <laughs> all that going
3: around. We've
1: but never quite I mean, understood I mean, Pluto, so but yeah. it
3: always—it's it, kind of sort of stretching beyond the films, isn't it? It's about live experiences, it's about mm. theme park rides, and and Star Wars and Luke, Lucasfilm and Disney have had that tie up for years. Those, those kind of sort of cross-pollination things
1: I, mean, I think this is why I mean 4 billion you know almost feels like a bit of an undervaluation in that sense because the toys and everything the ancillary rights are, are pretty potentially huge in this case particularly um, Lucas
0: still gets a cut of that stuff he wouldn't have just signed it all away
1: I, I assume I have no idea yeah. I don't I haven't know the seen details. we okay. haven't we, I haven't read the contract, I'll be honest, but um, they
0: didn't consult you in your <laughs> in your barrister capacity
1: yes, funnily enough uh they did not consult the person who's eight years out of law <laughs> never really focused on contracts um what? weird I know right mm, It's hard to imagine in a different jurisdiction, but no it's it you know that's that's a huge huge part of of how Lucasfilm has always made money. And indeed, how Disney makes money—you know, Cars—is by the standard of merchandising the most successful Pixar film by a country mile. Um, so, you know, to an extent, if, as long as the film's okay, they'll still mm. probably sell toys and do all right on the back of I it. I also, if, if
3: you're f- about eight years old, Clone Wars is one of the coolest things. You know, in the world as well. So
0: it's it's so it's, like, it's, uh, it's actually really good. Yeah, I've heard. I haven't. I, I haven't really got good. into it. I should. I should get so into that. I, I I read today as well that uh, last year there was something like five hundred million dollars worth of. Star Wars
2: merchandise flogged mm-hmm. around the world despite the fact there isn't a movie out and there hasn't it's been a, one since I 2005 find it astonishing you go to any toy shop there's Star Wars Lego Star Wars this Star Wars this there's, there's tons of it and as you say we're kind of we're in a weird sort of post Star Wars mm-hmm. era in terms of films but the merchandising just goes on and on and on I just going back to the first question of like how you react to it I think James made a good point I mean
5: you've got a baby daughter now so you're probably seeing things from you know maybe a little bit from her eyes Like she's going to grow up with these films in a way people always talk about having their childhood sort of misabused or whatever by these re- you know the, the I know what you mean films. No, no. I, but I think you know it's not our childhood anymore is it there's a whole bunch actually, of kids growing up there are teenagers who are going to see this for the first time
2: they're going to play with the toys like we did actually all, all it does is complicate matters my, my, sort of my mind is just Obsessed with how? At what age do you introduce Star Wars, and how do you introduce it? And in what order? Immediately now, have it on the background constantly. But it's like, do you do it? You can't show the prequels first because otherwise you lose the drama at the end of Empire. So what do you do? Do you start with the? Do you start with Episode Four and then go back? But then you get the. You get to the end of it. What the hell is Sebastian Shaw? Who is he? Do you know what I mean? It it ties us up. Do you go with the? Do you go with the 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 original cuts? Do you go with the special editions? Do you go with the blue? The options are endless. There are whole, you know, treaties to be had on this. And now we're throwing new films into the mix. So I- I'm going to have to go Shaw, on the an guy who played Anakin at the end of...
0: Not the yeah. mutants, Not
2: the mutant from no, right. X-Men. Okay. No, no, okay. not Sebastian Shaw, the, uh, the, was it the Black King? Yeah, I thought you'd, you know, into another franchise a no, second. No, okay. I mean the former Anakin before. No, it's true, it's true though,
0: because um, um, I think we talked about this in our Phantom Menace uh, Discussion on the oh, podcast a few Saturday. months ago. When I actually th- I think I said, I'm not sure if it made the podcast or not, but I said that I I, I, I really wanted one day to wake up and hear news of an episode 7, 8, and 9, despite the fact that I still had a, that, that reaction to the Phantom Menace scene again this year, uh, where we didn't enjoy it as much the second time. And we were apologists, James, you and I. We were. Um, we were culpable
4: yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, but I really really wanted to see a 789 one day and uh, and it's happening but I, the, the experience of kids with the Star Wars is amazing because um, uh, I don't think I've enjoyed Phantom Menace more than when I, when I showed it to my two young nieces years ago and they just absolutely loved it and they didn't
2: care that it didn't really work as a film they just loved Jar Jar falling over and in, in, in duty. But that's the thing isn't it, you try and impose on kids today what you got out of it, so you want them to get the payoff at the end of Empire, but then you don't want them getting to the end of the current versions of Jedi and wondering who the hell Hayden Christensen is so you have to show them the first one, it's just like kids don't care what order you show them, and they're just going to enjoy it for what it is, and it's magical it's a science fiction fairy tale, and it's 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 spectacular.
0: Okay, uh, at Red Floss asks, is 2015 now your most anticipated year for films if not, what films would or could tip the scale? This also involves the fact that Justice League, the Justice League film, uh, hasn't been confirmed yet, but they're looking like they're aiming at for twenty fifteen as well, and there's mm-hmm. going to be some other ones. But I looked at the uh, the schedule of the day, and not a lot's been confirmed for twenty fifteen. But the fact that there's Avengers two and Star Wars seven in the same month probably means that I'm going to lose my, my marbles at some point
1: your marbles. my marvels yeah
0: <laughs> sorry our own at Dan Jolin tweeted this morning and this is a very interesting thought uh, I walk into a weird but true thought the next Star Wars movie will not start with the Fox fanfare what do you make of that
3: Uh. well pr- proper fans unlike Dan Jolin would have gone to see the Clone Wars <laughs> at the cinema yeah. and that started with a crawl but no fanfare it doesn't
2: even have John Williams as but, uh, a but surely
0: yeah. proper fans wouldn't con- consider the Clone Wars is a, as a Star Wars movie well, probably uh, not but. well Fight, fight, fight.
5: Could they have, um, James, you might need to help me out with the pronunciation? A Watto flying around Disney Castle.
2: I'm a toy toy yes, they could. They could, in fact, do that. What but, is now owned by Disney. And yes, is now a Toy Story Darien. Get it right. <laughs> but it's it's true. And we we were talking about this just before the podcast started. That the not the original issue of the Star Wars soundtrack, but certainly the CD issue that came out in the 90s was has the Fox Fanfare as track number one on there because it's so inextricable from the Star Wars soundtrack. You know, it's a part. of it. So it is weird to think that you'll go into those bars without the Fox Fanfare before it. If you miss it,
3: just
0: go with some friends
3: and sing it. <laughs> yeah. <as> it's happening. <laughs> or
0: have some speakers attached to your shoulders. Sing and, it and while the that. little Tinkerbell's flying over the you Magic think Kingdom. You $4 billion would like, get the loan of the Fox Fanfare <laughs> just, for, just for 30 seconds per movie. That's all we needed it for. It's a bit like the Bond thing at the, the gun barrel sequence at the beginning of Skyfall. It's a bit of a bugbear of mine. Or lack off um, Or lack off indeed. Uh, and that will do for now. Ian, you may now leave. Thank you. <laughs> Thank
2: you. May the force be with you. May the, may the four billion be with you <laughs> in. thanks
0: in fear has had to build in uh, and that will do for now for your questions uh, sorry if you sent in a, a, a non-star Wars question this week and it didn't get asked we will pick them up again next week and I'm sure we'll be returning to this subject before too long as writers and directors and cast and plots are announced um, but for me, I can't really apologise because this is the biggest film news of the decade by by Country Mile isn't it? Isn't it? Yes. It is. Yes it is. Okay competition time Uh, last week we offered you the chance to win one of five copies of The Hunter on Blu-ray last the Willem Dafoe film with Sam Neill the ridiculously easy question was which super villain does Willem Dafoe play in Spider-Man the answer was of course the Green Goblin congratulations to the five winners who are Daniel Gaze, Ben White. Carl Wallace Claire Hughes King and Bradley Marsden congratulations all Uh, this week's competition will afford three listeners the chance to win the complete Father Ted box set that's all three series of Father Ted plus the brilliant Christmas special to stand a chance of winning that uh, answer this week's ridiculously easy question which is who played Ted who played Father Ted okay there you go uh, entries to podcast at empireonline.com with your name and your postal address please and of course if you want to get in touch with us you can use the same address to send in your questions or you can twitter us at twitter we're at empire magazine and you can use the hashtag empire podcast and what else is there is facebook isn't there facebook, facebook also you Empire Magazine facebook questions yep. empire magazine thank you very much indeed okay coming up after this uh, a brace of interviews a brief chat with a bond and a longer chat with notorious pie shagging pervert as we welcome Sir Roger Moore and Jason Biggs Into the pod booth Phil just pointed at himself And he heard the words Pie shagging pervert It's not you Phil Okay good. Just to clarify Jingle time To introduce our first guest this week, he is quite simply a legend, an institution, a national treasure. He is the third James Bond official, James Bond, and to date, especially if you don't count Never Say Never Again, he's the man who's played 007 more than anyone else across seven movies spanning from Live and Let Die to A Few to a Kill. He's now 85 years old, and he's written a new book called Bond on Bond about the franchise to mark its 50th anniversary. The name is Moore, Sir Roger Moore. And he popped in recently to talk to me, Nick Dissemblian, and Neil Alcock. I'm a, I'm a big fan of um, the
6: comedy character Alan Partridge. And I was oh, pleased yeah. to read that you have seen the episode in which... Uh...
7: Yeah, I did. My father uh, said to me, and he says, you know, I'm very disappointed in you, son. I said, what's <laughs> that? He said, you were supposed to be on television last night. He said, and you never showed up. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? and then uh, he explained I, I asked my uh, then secretary and she told me what the, the episode was about and then eventually I saw it <laughs> and you know, I said Dad, Dad it was, uh, that was the joke that, that I'm n- not showing it's very bad, very <laughs> bad. You should, shouldn't do that sort of thing
6: <laughs> and there's a later episode um, in which he sort of Acts out the opening sequence from Spy Who Loved Me same character oh, yeah, so there's I, this yeah, real yeah. affection for, for
7: you yeah, I, I think he's very very funny good stuff
0: and uh, on that show on Alan Partridge Rob Brydon does your voice uh,
7: uh, there's, a, there's a point where Roger uh, calls Alan. Oh, yes. And yes. it's Rob Brighton who does. Oh, who right? impersonates him. Yeah, he did my vo- voice in uh, a film they made together. Cock and Bull Story, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, what, what's your. Uh, how do you rate Rob Brighton's Roger Moore? Makes me sound better than I am. <laughs> 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 I think. You know, people say, do you mind. Uh, st- uh, what was it? Strict. No, no, image. Spitting image spitting, spitting image. spitting image. Yes. I, no, I, the more the Mickey they take out of you, the more flattered you are. <laughs> the politicians would beg to be sent yeah. up on it, <laughs> <laughs> made them famous. I Did remember you? your puppet on that had a an arched eyebrow. Oh, yeah, the, uh, eyebrow. <laughs> it was about here, but it was it was, it was up here yeah, somewhere. That was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was asked once in an interview about my acting ability. And I said, yeah, there's three expressions, left eyebrow, up, right eyebrow, <laughs> and both of them up together. <laughs> and it stuck with me, My you know. agent "You must, you must stop saying these terrible things.
4: You've,
0: you've been Why? doing it here as well. I mean, you talk about um, how you were only allowed to act the man who haunted himself. Oh. But did you not feel you got to act as Bond? I mean, you said you played yourself, but there were for your eyes only, there are moments in that oh, that are you quite. Look brave. Yes, you look yeah.
7: brave and yeah. you look adoringly at people. <laughs> you try not to blink, firing <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's all acting.
0: That was just a brief blast of Roger for the full thing discussing Bond, the man who haunted himself, his Christmas recipes and much, much more. Check out our Roger Moore special which should be up now along with this podcast. Also while we're on the subject of specials, we've gone nuts this week. Our Skyfall spoiler special is currently available and our Breaking Bad special featuring an interview with Walter White himself, Mr. Brian Cranston will also be up next week. Frankly we're flooding the market with product.
1: It's a risky business strategy. <laughs> it's
0: a risky strategy. All of these but free podcasts. I'm hoping Disney will take notice.
1: Aha. Uh-huh. They're coming That's in there. The price has
0: now gone up 2 billion. 2 billion. See, if they'd, if they'd acted at the beginning of the podcast. They would have saved themselves $500 million. Uh, okay, another interview now. Jason Biggs is best known as the star of the American Pie franchise, and he's the guy who did an unspeakable thing to that poor pie back in 1999. He returned as Jim this year in American Reunion, flashing his bits, no less, and now he's starring in Stephen Gyllenhaal's political dramedy, Grassroots, which is out next week. Jason came in to have a freewheeling chat with myself and Phil about politics, genitals, and Andre Fierce Boas. Here are the highlights. Uh, we're delighted to be joined in the pub with by Mr. Jason Biggs star of the upcoming grassroots a, a political comedy drama which is a, a bit of a departure is it or, or do you, do you see it that way? Uh no I I definitely see it that way.
8: Um it's uh it's you know I had to it's a lot more subtle uh than what I'm I'm used to to, to doing in terms of my performance, you know, I had mm. to, uh, you know, it's funny because the, Stephen Gyllenhaal, the director, will describe this movie as a comedy, which I, I don't disagree that it has comedic elements for sure, and that yeah. it's it has some light moments. I, however, would describe this movie as a drama with comedic elements. He would describe it as a <laughs> comedy with dramatic elements. Um, you always uh, cite the Marx Brothers as a big... Yeah, You're a massive Marsh Brothers a, fan. He's a like. huge Marx Brothers fan and th- th- those guys, you know, um, subtlety was not their forte to say the <laughs> least. So, Steve is like, "Jason, can you put your trousers back on?" <laughs> yeah, <thing>? exactly. <laughs> okay, all right. Jason Biggs, Biggs Biggs. We do uh, nope, nope, no room for your penis in this shot. You <laughs> please put your dick away. Is can that me, something you try f- and
0: do in every film now just to try and get it well, out? Well, now there? that I've yeah, now like that I've sort cameo. of
8: yeah, now yeah. that I've sort of popped my penis virginity, if you will, sort of shown it in the one movie, I figure, you know what? Why the hell not? And it also not only that, but having shown it to the world, the world now wants it a lot. And you know, it's sort of like a crack cocaine. You know, it's yeah, sort of like, yeah. you know, you you feed a kid some cocaine, and they're gonna, you know, they're gonna want that into adulthood. You know, <laughs> you know, you feed a kid my let's let's uh, that's, that's
0: probably yeah. yeah. Let's move on from there. It's an interesting analogy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you're playing a, a real person, Phil Campbell. I mean, did you meet him? Did you draw on on his experience to play this Phil, or do you set the two very much apart? You know,
8: I um, I met him, but not until uh, a couple weeks into filming. It was interesting. I, you know, it, Stephen, of course, knew Phil for a little while and was very close with the source material, which is this the book that Phil yeah. wrote. Um, it, but but Stephen was very clear from the beginning that uh, that you know that we were not out to do any sort of impersonation that there was not I mean and by the way who, who, no one knows who Phil Campbell is it's not like <laughs> it's not like people are going to watch this movie and be like ah Biggs did a horrible Phil Campbell that's the shittiest Phil Campbell I've ever seen that's terrible I don't believe it for a second I mean there was no it doesn't matter right and you know he was, he was pretty clear from the beginning like you know we, we have we want to capture the spirit of Phil and the book and his story and his energy and all this stuff but I, I want to create a, a, a real thing with you that's organic and and if it ends up being more you than Phil in the end or whatever it doesn't matter we're going to create a character and we're going to use what we can from Phil and if it ends up looking like Phil and feeling like Phil great if it ends up looking like someone else then, then whatever mm. um, and so that was actually great knowing from the beginning and, and so that was good Because then I didn't have to Read the fucking book you know? <laughs> I was like Oh thank god Because <laughs> the book looks shitty I was like Fuck this I'm not reading it How many pages is uh, it uh, Too many <laughs> Too many There were no pictures There were not a single Picture in the book Honestly What's, what's up with that I don't understand I don't understand Not pop up At least No No <laughs> pop ups Unbelievable So um, So anyway So yeah But anyway So he came to uh, He came to set I didn't meet him Until about two weeks Into filming And this is really interesting He came to set And he saw me do a scene and afterwards he came up to me and he was like man I gotta say like you know you've, you've really I it got me down like your mannerisms and your all this like well, you know I'm impressed and I'm thinking to myself <laughs> man I didn't do shit I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> it's clearly a coincidence or something but in hindsight I think you know Steven's direction and 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 wh- how he wrote the script incorporating yeah. this sort of you know uh, this the spirit of this character and the way he wrote his book sort of dictated a certain rhythm and performance for me and, and you know, and so what? What this guy saw was not entirely unlike, you know, him. And also, seeing we shot in the same locations as the real story took place. I mean, okay. we shot in the bars and the coffee shops and the and Seattle. I mean, we shot Seattle. So it, it, he came and he saw where. You know, we did a scene where that scene actually took place and so I think that all
5: kind of tripped him out and he's like you nailed it <laughs> <laughs> so if you could do a partially researched biopic of a famous person who would it be hmm partially researched <laughs> biopic of a person who would it be has a
8: movie been done about you yet, or no? No, as yet, no. Yeah, it never will be. By the way, I know. Yeah.
4: Um, <laughs> I I would... Of course,
0: you go nuts and start killing us all.
4: No, <laughs> yeah, <supposed> <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, it's been a long week. Yeah, <laughs> you should
0: go postal, bro.
8: The biggest killer movie. <laughs> <laughs> <would be> it. <laughs>
4: um,
5: I uh, God. I well, I put it another way. You... you know, well, go ahead. I was going to say uh, political themes in the film. Do they kind of chime with your own? politics Yeah, you they pretty feel- fired up about the because it feels like maybe four or five years ago America was really like gripped by this thing and at the yep. moment it feels from a distance like it isn't there are some yep. films that are a bit political that have been made about time we're we talking Beast of the Southern Wild which feels very mm-hmm. much current but how is that how you see things at the moment? Is the country's a little kind of just disillusioned and tired? Unfortunately, yeah, because uh, and I, I understand it. You know, four
8: years ago, we were everyone was just sort of uh, just just uh, engrossed by this sort of movement. It was really great. And in a way, Obama was kind of a at least for that. Level of politics for the presidential level, it was a grassroots kind of movement because yeah. you know he he in essence skipped a whole bunch of steps. You know he was like a, a senator, a state senator, and then skipped on and, and he was and he's black and, and I was like he was black now he's not now he but he used to remember he used to be black and um, <laughs> but no uh, so it, the, the, you know the, in a way there was this sort of movement that everyone kind of got behind enough to elect him anyway enough people got behind it clearly and and now. You know, people are. Uh, were, I think people had, frankly, unrealistic expectations, and I'm not saying he's he he he. I don't think performed the way he could have and should have performed, but I also think people have put uh, ridiculously unrealistic expectations on him, and I think he needs another term to do it. Um, my fear moving forward is that. You know, I I think Palin came in at just the right time during the last election to essentially seal the victory (laughs) for Obama, and now that Obama has, in essence, disillusioned a lot of the people that voted for him in the last election, my fear is that someone like Palin or Romney, Mm -hmm. in essence, but that kind of person... W- could step back in and fill that void I guess in the in the sort of uh, you know electorates that's like that's to me scary just like that that quickly people could go from yeah god what am I thinking I can't vote for something like this this is a guy yeah hope change great and then
0: just like that you go nah nah you know what let's vote for the crazy well, on the, you know it seemed like the uh, the first debate Alabama had with Romney I mean obviously we are removed from us by five and a half thousand miles but <laughs> it seemed that uh, he was very complacent about that and he mm-hmm. kind of got his butt kicked a little bit yeah he did actually he did no he he and it's it's crazy
8: because again Romney was in the in the couple of days and weeks leading up to that Romney was um kind of killing himself. <laughs> Obama was just sitting back and he was kind of killing himself and it almost felt like Obama was waiting it, it, it was kind of seeing that happen and kind of wanted him to do that in in the debate. Mm-hmm. So instead of being pro, uh, aggressive and sort of bringing Romney down, he was hoping that Romney would sort of, you know, bring himself down and Romney actually did a great job. And
0: yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's just, it's just. Do you think a, they should be allowed to punt each other in these debates? You think there should be some sort of violence allowed? I know absolutely. Yeah.
8: I think you know, at the very least, they should they should pad themselves up. Yep. And get like a you know like a into a pillow fight of some sort maybe. <laughs> you know how each maybe debate
5: a- like the three debates ones on domestic policy ones on foreign but they should have different like disciplines like martial arts disciplines. You could kind That's of choose your weapon. Yeah. Old school duel style, but you got three in the president I guess has yeah. the advantage. So one
8: is like yeah. One is like uh, Greco-Roman style wrestling. One is Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And one is... Capoeira, uh, just dancing. Yeah.
4: Well,
8: <laughs> dance competition. That's great. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, by the way, I would love to see that. And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. The president that agrees to do that is
0: the president I will vote for. Okay. <laughs> well, uh,
5: Mitt Romney, Romney
0: came out. President out, Howie Mandel came to
8: power
7: <laughs> in 2016. That's
5: oh, funny. Such a, such a shame. Mitt Romney came out and said that he was a massive... 30 Rock fan which kind of took me by surprise a little right. bit Alec, given Alec Baldwin's
8: political leanings you know Alec Baldwin is very vocal uh, politically and, and that
0: was a uh, surprising thing but. obviously given America's place in the world you know we take a huge interest in the American elections and American politics in general what about the other way around? Do uh, Americans take any notice whatsoever of the, the 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 farce that passes for politics over here? Little, With, to, uh, none. little yeah. to none. Little to none. From
8: from from my perspective, little to none. But I've I've been here the last couple of days, and it's been it's been real. And I've and because of this movie, I've been just like with you guys talking politics a lot and you know I was with uh uh on the this week guys oh, yesterday and yeah, Portillo yeah. and those yeah. and you know I've been and, and Jimmy Carr as well and just you know those panels and uh, you know last time I was here I was doing celeb juice and you know <laughs> po- politics you know for American Pie fucking politics are the last thing anyone's talking about <laughs> now you're picking up a doctor from Cambridge University Yeah exactly <laughs> I got my honorary uh doctorate from Oxford yeah exactly it's been it's been a very it's been a very Cerebral week to say the least, but but no, I've been uh, f- you know following because I have to, um, you know these like the Tory Labour kind of the 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 Tory Party conferences and just the you know and and Boris Johnson. But also, I will say this though, I guess it has been a little bit more on the radar this this summer because. Mm-hmm because the UK has been on the radar so we've been aware of the sort of uh, leadership if you will if only because you know Boris Johnson has been very actively promoting London and the Olympics and his book
4: <laughs> and <laughs> he has.
8: he came to America and did a whole press tour and actually I, I, like, I watched him on Letterman and stuff and he was really great i like very likable dude really really likable but of course the Olympics and then the Jubilee and it's just you know mm-hmm. and that was mostly role. Loyal, but you still, you know, Cameron makes appearances and stuff, and you're kind of, kind of aware. But, but no, we're, we're, for the most part, I, I would have had no idea that um, the Tory Party Conference even happened had I not come to <laughs> London this past <laughs> week. <laughs> Are
0: you uh, an Anglophile, Jason? Because uh, I know you support Spurs. Oh, yeah,
8: I guess I'm an Anglophile. I mean, I love, I, I love, I love it here. I love coming here. I've been, I've had a great year, uh, England-wise. I've been here. this is my fourth time here this year, and. Uh, Those air miles must be doing pretty well for you. Yeah, 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 no, 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 absolutely, absolutely. I mean, my wife has cashed them all in for fucking shitty bags on <laughs> blind <laughs> stuff, but um, whatever. I'm like, I go to cash in to buy a flight, and I'm like, where the hell are all my miles? She's like, oh, I bought a Gucci thing on the thing of the thing, and I'm like, <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> anyway, did well, yeah, as long didn't as you happy. could. Didn't even know you could do that. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, so. No, I love it here, and actually, I have a a great friend that lives here, um, and uh, and actually, he's part of the reason I'm a Spurs fan. He's he grew up a huge Spurs fan, and that and my first game was a Spurs game, but but his enthusiasm for the Spurs is what really got me into the Spurs. And but yeah, so it's like when you know when you have friends somewhere, it makes it a whole lot different of course you know mm. so I like when I come here it's not just okay I'm I'm sort of confined to the hotel and its surrounds you know as most sort of Americans are you know it's like oh okay should I walk around Soho again should do I Boris you know be, uh, hop on a Boris you know like yesterday I, or the day before when I got here I uh, um, you know went out with my buddy we went out to see his family friends out in Mill Hill went to Good Earth mm. you know chilled out there and sure. just casual you know just kind of chill, chilling suburbs and, and stuff you know <laughs> he grew up in Kingston you know, I used to go out there. His parents actually moved to LA, believe it or not. But his he grew up in Kingston. His parents had a house out there, and I'd go out there in summers. And he had a gar- pool in the garden. We'd hang out there. It's good living. So, have you had a chance to go to White Hart Lane? Not this time, because because we didn't match. Yeah, but, not not yeah. this time. Not this time, unfortunately. Yeah, but maybe next time. So Someone, yeah, a- yeah, I was I was actually really bummed. I, the first thing I did when I uh,
5: confirmed coming here was go online, and I was like, okay, let's go. We're gonna-. we have to ask you about American Pie. Do you see? a future ch- is there going to be more another installment down the line uh, we talked about this a little bit when you came was, in yeah, before yeah. last time so yeah I don't know so if you're like any it. updates since any April? updates <laughs> give us break uh, some. Email <laughs> yeah let me, let me <laughs> check my email real quick actually my manager was calling right when we sat down in the interview so but I seriously just, you seem to have, be having a lot of fun on the screen and off screen together we have, a bl- that was we have a
8: no 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 I'd be I'd be um, I'd be hard pressed to find a reason to not do it the only reason I wouldn't do it is if this script sucked and you know if the creative didn't make sense I mean every other reason is there I work with people I like uh, it's got an audience you know it, it's a great character to play I love mm. playing Jim yeah. it's got it, there's the, the pluses are immense but that's my take on it the problem is you gotta convince a bunch of people of that and uh, this, you know there's just a lot of factors there's just a lot of things that have to kind of come together at the right time the other thing is that you know the creative is getting more and more difficult you know the reunion made perfect sense yeah. it was a totally it, like that the reunion idea almost wrote itself not to take any credit away from the the writers who wrote, a, I think, a brilliant script, but now what do you do? <laughs> you know? I mean, sure, we could do there's stuff. But it's like, you know, you, you, every time you come out with one of these things and, and, the, and you, you go, you, you're like, oh, God, please, 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 audience <laughs> like it. Because it's the moment you come out with one and the audience is like, ugh, <laughs> it almost t- it like ruins the whole thing. And you yeah. kind of want to... We have this little thing where we've now made four of them that, mm-hmm. listen, I think some are better than others. You know? Clearly, other people think some are better than others. But overall we've done an okay job and people don't hate any of them later they're like oh, okay as a franchise it's it's good you guys have done four decent movies yeah. so you just the more you do them the tougher it is to mm. keep that sort of going it's it's just it's 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 tricky but i don't know we'll see how the renovation on my house goes and <laughs>
0: <laughs> and of course the bigger question is i mean <laughs> having exposed the big crown jewels <laughs> now what do you want to do can you do what you, yeah. you top that I I
8: guess um, I guess I guess I guess I gotta put a penis in my mouth or something I mean <laughs> I don't really know what I would do I've kissed a guy I've shown my penis I guess I gotta kiss a penis now I guess that's the move right
0: all right and the, the last question Jason are you prepared in 30 years time for the inevitable American pie reboot with you? as jim's dad you know what i mean, did you
8: quote the, are you getting this quote from me I, ju- I swear i said this uh absolutely not only am i prepared but i came up with that idea
4: <laughs>
8: <laughs> absolutely i just have to have a uh eyebrow implant <laughs> before i uh, start
0: work fantastic it's been a pleasure Thanks same so much here thank, thank you so guys much.
8: thank you thank you
0: lovely man charming Oh, I, was, I was talking about you, Phil. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, but uh, Jason Biggs was all right as well, wasn't he? He was all right. He was okay. We liked him. Uh, we, didn't we essentially promise to take him to the Spurs-Liverpool game in November February 28th? We can't go now. We can't, can't, we can't what do it, yeah, yeah. We thought we'd be given a box at, at, at White Hart Lane on the February 28th. And we said, ah, oh, come along and be in our box. And...
5: Yeah. Well, when Disney we, buy you, I'm sure they. they probably yeah, got. precisely.
0: The price is now 2.5 billion dollars. Uh, okay, the week's movie news. It seems we've kind of done it, but <laughs> other things did happen this mm. week. Uh, Helen, what else happened?
1: Well, the, probably the, the the what would be the big news? Star had there not been bigger news. No, the oh. other one. Oh, okay. Um X Men. Yay! Yeah, there you go. Remember, you like that too. Um,
0: (laughs) You like that, Chris, don't you?
1: Yes, I do. (laughs) So X-Men Days of Future Past now has a confirmed replacement director following Matthew Vaughn's departure last week. Yes. And that is, as everybody rumoured immediately... Brian Singer.
0: Indeed. So this is basically just in case you're you're not keeping up with X-Men mm. director of musical chairs on X-Men: the Last Stand. Brian yep. Singer was the director and he dropped out to be replaced by Matthew Vaughn. Vaughn then dropped out to be replaced by Brett Ratner, yep. who didn't drop out regrettably.
1: And then Matthew Vaughn came back.
0: No, Brian Singer Bryan was Singer. director of X-Men: First Class yep. and he dropped out to be replaced by Matthew Vaughn. Then Matthew Vaughn was director in X-Men: Days of Future Past and he dropped out to be
1: replaced by Brian Singer. <sighs> isn't it? It's a beautiful circle of life really, it isn't is. it? It oh, is. It's a real all yeah um, <laughs> but yes so so Days of Future Past officially back on track I think we can say I mean obviously Brian Singer's been involved uh, in the previous one and again now as a producer anyway so he's you know au fait with everything that's going on and uh, for those of you who haven't come across the, the comic book you really should because it's excellent actually also mm-hmm. the cartoon version is also one of the best arcs in that cartoon I haven't seen that but it's available yeah. on Netflix I believe uh, so. there you go go for it so this is the story where uh, in, the, in, the car- in the comic books Kitty Pride is basically taken over by her future self who warns the X-Men that an upcoming assassination actually of the senator who appeared in the very first X film Senator Kelly he's going to be assassinated and his assassination will spark a series of events leading to a sort of mutant apocalypse and giant robots taking over the earth and um, basically patrolling everybody um, obviously that's bad so they, the, <laughs> that's the, bad, <laughs> the X-Men yes. set about trying to uh, stop Senator Kelly from being murdered in order to save the future
0: Wow, okay, so to where do they go? Do they time travel back in the past? Do they time travel no, in the future? Do they, they time don't travel have anywhere? To,
1: they don't have time travel anywhere. Okay. Using what future Kitty knows, they set about trying to stop Senator Kelly from being assassinated, thereby changing what will come to pass. So they don't have to time travel at but all. But we
2: glimpse okay. the future through Kitty's eyes, don't
1: well, we? Well, there's there's bits set in the future from, because you see, you know, how she gets sent back and mm. you see what her compatriots back there are doing. So lots of the X-Men, huge numbers of them are dead and the ones that are still alive are, they are sporting the Natty on. Tattoos? <laughs> they've got, yeah, they've got the their, sort of, yeah, their, their sort of um, rather concentration campy, mm. ghetto kind of um, badges.
0: So this is the sequel to First Class. So yes. So this has the First Class cast in it, or most of them at Exactly.
1: Least. So you'll notice the immediate problem, that doesn't include Kitty pride It
0: doesn't include Kitty pride and it's Fassbender and McAvoy. Exactly.
1: And who okay. are basically don't appear at all in the comic book version. Now, yes. my theory on this all along, we haven't had official confirmation of this yet but it seems obvious that it would be um, Professor X would be the one being kind of maybe visited by his future self given the whole psychic thing would presumably make it a bit easier to make contact through space and time or whatever mm-hmm. um, so I would imagine they'll they'll do it that way they'll adapt the story to the characters that they actually already have
0: Interesting so you think okay this is, so do you think that the original cast or some members of the original cast might, might, might show up I think one?
1: we could very very well see that so we're going to have to see who's who who turns up on the day.
0: Presumably.
4: Presumably, Patrick Stewart.
0: In the <laughs> cinema. I'd love if they actually did have that sort of <laughs> laissez-faire approach to scheduling a major, major blockbuster. we we'll, we'll just see who turns up today. Um, just let everybody know. Oh, Patrick. Oh, good. Excellent. Um, yeah, we had these lines for Hugh Jackman, but you can do those. It's fine. Do you have, do you have claws? Do not have claws? Okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll work around it. <laughs>
1: this is why I'm not a major producer, you realise. <laughs> Precisely.
0: Um, yeah, I'm really excited about this. Um, I don't know what the hell they're going to do with this, I'll be honest, but it's it's gonna be fun finding out. Mm. And Brian Singer uh, wasn't a Twitter argument with Devin Franchi last night, but I got into a Twitter debate with him about because I said that Brian Singer, for me, uh, X Men Two is still the pinnacle of the series, mm. and uh, he went, "No, it's rubbish," and uh, I went, "No, it's good," and so on and so forth. Wow. But uh, it's I know it, it was it was fireworks. It was there. like Ebert and Siskel all over <laughs> again. It was extraordinary. So I'm really excited to see what uh, what Singer can do with this franchise again. And yeah. uh, God can you imagine Stewart and McAvoy together and Fassbender and Magellan together and Jennifer Lawrence and the other one Rebecca Romijn <laughs> Rebecca I know obviously. Okay. Rebecca <laughs> Romijn together that'd be amazing Nightcrawler and Jason Flemings Oh, the possibilities are, Surely are Jennifer Lawrence and Rebecca Romijn together, of... together again well no because they weren't technically speaking in the same scene
4: oh whatever
0: okay so looking forward to that one that's out 2014
4: isn't it it is and that's
0: yes. the seventh X-Men movie because The Wolverine which had a cracking uh, teaser poster this week yes it, it, it did it yeah. fabulous yeah, looking thing. yeah I'm, I'm, I've got Quite confidence about that one, I have to say. And uh, of course, that's that's probably the first Marvel Fox movie to sort of come under Mark Miller's stewardship. He's now been appointed as sort of chief creative consultant on all. Uh, of Fox's Marvel movies and that's going to be the first one to really have his influence brought to bear and if you want to hear more from Mark Miller on his uh, new responsibilities and role at Fox he popped into the pod booth recently and he'll be on next week's podcast there's going to be an interview with him about Kick-Ass 2 Miller World movies and his responsibilities at Fox as well so do tune in for that one it is indeed Miller time or if you're American for some reason Americans pronounce his name as Millar which is really
2: weird It's just stupid it is uh, I have to say James what do you got um Interestingly enough, the the, the fact that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger will be returning to a role that he's not touched on since 1984 uh, for Legend of Conan, which uh, it kind of kind of threw me ever so slightly. And not least of all, because when I sat down with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger for a long chat about his upcoming projects, he didn't mention it to me. Honestly, it never occurred to me that he would ever return to this role. He was originally contracted with Dino De Laurentiis to do a number of these films. I can't remember if it was four or five. Uh, and he... He bowed out of that because obviously Destroyer didn't do as well as Barbarian and then he did Red Sonja which wasn't a Conan film but kind of almost was Mm -hmm. Uh, and then he did Raw Deal which was actually that closed his pretty sure that's not a Conan film It's not a Conan film but it was in that it fulfilled the contract requirement for Dino that uh, he did that instead of a Conan film essentially because basically no one wanted to see him do loads more of them so it's curious that he'd go back to this and I must admit I approach this with a certain amount of really is this a good idea and then someone said this could be his you know his unforgiven do you know what I mean Conan's unforgiven and I quite like that image I quite like that idea of a sort of an older more regal Conan because the idea is it picks up after Conan the Barbarian uh, and completely in the manner of Highlander excises Conan the Destroyer (laughs) from history which I think is a very wise move and that whole you know when Mako does that he wore his his crown upon a troubled brow and you see him on the throne looking Mm. quite pissed off uh that's a really nice visual, and it's a nice image, and you can imagine Conan, the character, just not being particularly well suited to that role. Um, you know, he's a man of action. I've not read a lot of the Robert E. Howard books, but you know, you can see that you can see the drama that could come out of that. So it has potential. It just seems an odd choice because it's been a very long time. You've had the recent Conan with Jason Momoa in the role, uh, which wasn't hugely well received. So <laughs>
0: that's putting it.
2: A- <laughs> yeah so it seems an odd time to sort of dust this off as if it's this you know this gem that everyone well, I been think there's for. a general
0: sense that, that the last Conan was an absolute load of bobbins well so. yes yeah. that's another way of putting it and so the kind of you know proper Conan Doing it right this time, mm. uh, and some people have said this. it's going to be quite apt because Arnold is, of course, aging. Yes, he won't be as he won't be as muscular as he was back in the back in the early eighties. Uh, I just wonder how much of it will be derived from his experiences as a man. Mm. I'm not. I'm not suggesting, for example, that Conan is an elected <laughs> official standing
2: down after eight years of being king. Uh, or you know, but 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 it's interesting because they made a- such a big deal out of how Conan isn't Arnold Schwarzenegger. Conan, you know, when they were promoting the last film, Curious That's because they, not could like have, they, had they couldn't
5: afford him. Yeah.
2: And now, actually, exactly. everyone's saying, do you know what? We saw the last one. Conan is Arnold Schwarzenegger and you really can't do it without him. If Arnold had returned to one other role... Dutch
0: like, Schaefer. That's the correct answer. That's what I had written in my car. Yeah. Phil, well, what's, uh, what's your next bit? bit um, movie news. Well, what's, what's Werner up to this
5: week? Werner's <laughs> <Vernis. laughs> yeah. getting... Uh, he's after Tom Cruise. Isn't he? I don't know. He's too busy with there. But... Um, you need some George cleaning in your week. And I bring you... you. <laughs> I do. You do. I know Definitely you do. I the monuments. you guess. I will need some George Clooney <laughs> yeah. as well. Hey. The Monuments Man, which has been, um, was announced earlier in the year, but it's casting up at the moment. And uh, it, the cast, it looks fantastic. It's a Second World War flick, which he's promising is going to be big in scale. Um, and kind of a little Inglorious Bastards meets... A good German, I guess, somewhere along the lines. You had me until the that. <laughs> so, no, okay. Um
0: <laughs> I don't think anyone pitches in you know, Hollywood these days. Going, it's kind of, it's like
5: big meets a good German. I don't think anyone uses a good German as an example.
1: But wait, let him finish the cast list. You'll be back on board.
5: This is true. Yeah, it's the arty dozen. It's a team of. Uh, <laughs> it's a team of. It's a team of art experts who are sent behind enemy lines, or in front of enemy lines, or on the enemy lines during post D Day up until the fall of Berlin right. to get the German loot. The Nazi, the Nazi art, um, and the team that's been assembled and casting is still unannounced uh, was augmented by Daniel Craig this week. So 007 will be joining uh, Danny Ocean, <laughs> Clooney himself, Jean Dujardin, the artist mm-hmm. appropriately, mm-hmm. Kate Blanchett.
1: Galadriel mm, Ooh.
5: fresh from showing everybody the finger on the
0: uh, <laughs> new cover of Empire Chris
1: we've talked hey, about this that's the this? light of Erindel the light that endures when all other lights go out I don't up.
0: care what she calls it she's still <laughs> being bloody rude it's outrageous and incidentally if you want to buy that cover and any of the other four <laughs> that are widely available uh, Empire is available now in all news agents and also for the iPad Phil continue
5: where were we you were talking Take about blanchers. Galadriel behind enemy lines with Gene
2: <laughs> the John Moore <laughs> film yes they're remaking it i bro- completely lost can my some, can Phil, someone reboot Phil Phil, also, Phil you're, you're a history buff up. aren't you? Can you what is the, the the historical veracity of this story because I, I read a thing on the internet therefore it, it can't be not true that the Monius Men wasn't about protecting art from the Nazis but rather from the marauding allies as they sort of blew stuff up yes. across Europe is this in fact the case are they twisting history here you sense there may be a Kelly's
5: Heroes aspect to it where, where there may be you know, moral shadiness on both sides. Um, I don't know. We don't really know what the story's going to involve. I, th- I think you're right that the, the, their job was to keep this stuff out of GI hands mm. you know a lot of it ended up back in America um, a lot of it's still being returned to its rightful owners like now yeah. right now a lot of it still hasn't returned to its rightful owners um, some of it's probably still stashed so it's kind of a treasure hunt I think is what they're, what they're calling it is it going to be Three Kings as a satire <laughs> I doubt it I don't know at this point to be honest I can't imagine it's going to be a film in which George Cleaning and Daniel Craig beat the hell out of GIs who are trying to make off with a sort of
4: Titian but I you know hope.
5: I don't know yeah I mean I, I would hope it's going to be all we know is that it starts on D-Day It's going to be it's going to be big I mean it's not going to be Saving Private Ryan Because that would be quite a gritty opening to a film That's basically kind of a caper um, But it goes up to the you think fall of Berlin Do you think it is going to be a caper? The it's way that he was tingly. talking about it Implied that it was going to be a, a more of a fun It was going to be less of a gritty You know so, Oceans, Wartime crime type of deal Ocean's Elf in other words, oh, I see, we did that because elf, 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 elf is, is German, German for eleven. 11.
0: Answer, yeah, very good, very see, good. Yeah. See, that's and the secret ocean you for Wolf. explaining it. Yeah, no, no. Well, I'll, it's the only thing I remember from German. laden ich uh, habe ein Kugelschreiber, which means I have a pen, which might also come in handy as a line of dialogue. George, if you're listening, if you want, if you need that. At any point, Bill Murray, because he's also in the cast, isn't he?
5: Bill Murray, John Murray. Goodman, Bob John... Balaban.
0: Really? That's yep. amazing.
5: I know, and John Monopil from, uh, from the Downtown.
2: Oh, Abbey <laughs> Earl of Grantham. The Earl so of have, this, amazing. This, is, this is staggering
0: cast. This is Danny Ocean, mm-hmm. James Bond, mm-hmm. Peter Finkman, Galadriel, Walter from the Big Lebowski, Lord Grantham <laughs> from Downtown Abbey, and the artist,
5: and a Bob Balaban character I was wondering go now. how long we've waited it's <laughs> amazing the arty doesn't. it's going to be amazing I'm excited about this film I am now and it's a book as well let's not forget it's it's, it's based on a book by a guy called Robert Edsel um, subtitled Allied Heroes Nazi Thieves and the Greatest Treasure Hunt in History Hello. and that me will answer James's that question that sounds politically unbiased I don't think I don't think this is going to be you know the <laughs> film that you might sort of suggest no in terms of uh, you're saying
2: it won't, won't find its way Way as, a, as a recommended text during history degree courses, possibly not. No. This is great,
5: uh, uh, but you know, I think I think Kleene does pay deference to his, to the historical stuff he's done before. Good night, and good luck. Mm-hmm. He reunites with Grant Hesloff his writer on that, and the Good German again is a pretty straight kind of. Don't keep mentioning I the Good German. It's Just the period. It's not the film. More. It's not yeah, calibrated. Yeah,
1: mention <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned it once, Phil, and you nearly yes. got away with you it. i
0: do not liken it to anything. I liken it to something people will like. Say it's like a feature-length of Lower Low. I would be on board with that.
2: Yes, <laughs> you they will be, be the searching for the fallen Madonna with the big boobies That's, <laughs> That's almost certainly the plot of the film. <laughs> glorious heroes. How about that? <laughs> that would be amazing. Kelly's
0: Bastards. <laughs> it's good to see Murray and Clooney actually uh, on screen now, it's because Bill Murray was actually one of the. Uh, he was mooted to be the uh, the Vincent Dell character in Ocean's Eleven all those years ago I uh, don't know whether oh, yeah. he actually signed on the Donald, Donald line being Bill Murray they probably couldn't get hold of him so that other fella <laughs> did, didn't uh, have Eddie, a pen Eddie
5: uh, okay is that is that it any other movie news something else we should probably mention in passing is John Logan Signing up to write the new Bond film. Yeah, he's writing two new Bond films. films. Exactly. Yeah. Which will be a continuing story, apparently. Very interesting. And we have coming up some some chat with... uh, We have Bondage. We We have have Bondage
0: coming up. We have Bondage coming up. We have the outgoing Bond writers, Neil Purvis and Robert Wade. They came in for a spoiler-filled chat about Mm. Skyfall, which will be going up next Friday, November 9th. It's hard to keep track of our specials, but (laughs) it's going up next Friday, November 9th, uh, which is the US launch date of Skyfall. So once everyone in the world has seen it, you can come here and get the inside scoop from the writers and it is a fantastic chat
1: I would say that pushes our price up to three billion wouldn't you has your phone gone uh, not yet but I'm, I'm waiting for the call any second
0: Mickey Mouse is just waiting bye sell bye <laughs> time for another brace of interviews now I think the price has just gone down uh, let's start off with a brief excerpt from our interview with Brian Cranston the man behind the most compelling character on television Breaking Bad's Walter White Cranston was in London recently to talk about Breaking Bad season 5 episodes 1 to 8 which is now available on Netflix, and he was speaking to Dan and myself. Walt's become a very iconic character over the years. I mean, you've got Heisenberg's hat, and we've got his his wife runs his tidy whiteies. Um, that's my level. That's that's basically what I focus on. Uh, was that your idea? The briefs?
9: No, actually, it was in the script, and I brought it to uh, Vince's attention that I wore tidy Whiteys on Malcolm in the Middle for seven years, and he was. He said, "Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Go ahead and change it." So I said, "Okay, thanks, because I I didn't think I should. And so I went to the wardrobe call and I I had very specific ideas of what I wanted to wear. And, you know, I wanted to wear clothes and colors that were like this couch that were like the wall that would blend in. I wanted Walt to be invisible. I, I didn't want anything unique about him whatsoever. We took the color out of my hair. We took the color out of my face. I have a ruddy colored Irish face and we took it out So just take the color out. I wanted glasses. I wanted that little mustache that was kind of impotent. And it was like, what's the point? I wanted people to go, what is it? Who? The shoes. Everything was beige and taupe and, you know. And then it came to, you know, uh, the Tidy whiteys, And it was like, well, he wrote it for a reason. And I thought in breaking in, in, in Malcolm in the Middle, I chose the Tidy Whitey underwear because I felt Hal was a boy. He was just like he was just a bigger boy. So he would still wear boy underwear. And then I thought for this, he wrote it for a reason. I kept wondering, what is that? And it was it was a it was similar, but different. And to me, I finally realized if he Walter White stunted his maturity and growth at a certain point, he didn't care. He had hair. I wanted my hair to look like I always needed a haircut, much like yours, and I- Maybe this is my midlife crisis. Is it, <laughs> I'm <getting> bald. <laughs> yeah. See, look, I have plenty of hair. Um, so I, want, I looked at it and I thought, no, what if he just didn't care anymore? He didn't care. Look at his, his wardrobe, he didn't care. It would, he didn't care what his mustache looked like. He didn't care what his hair looked like. He, it just, he's depressed. And I wanted his clothes and his demeanor to, to help support his emotional state. And so I thought, no, this is good. I'll, I'll go with that. And it's, it's so striking. It's so much more striking than boxers or briefs of some sort. You know? it's like, it's so, it makes such a statement.
0: And what about the hat? Was that your idea?
9: No, that was, uh, that was chosen for me. Um, I, I did, Well, I mean, I did try on several different hats. And I, I like this one, a pork pie. There was something, there was something very specific about it, and uh, I, I I felt good on my head. And we took pictures and sent them back to Vince, and Vince liked it as well. So it was unanimous. And have you seen any good Heisenbergs at, at Halloween? Lots of people dressing up. Yeah, I've seen a couple. A lot of pictures that people are sending. To me, and you see Heisenberg, especially little children dressed as that's Heisenberg. Yeah, that one. It's like these poor kids have no idea. Mom, this itches, this bald cap, you know? And it's like, ah. Uh. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's become iconic, and it's almost like an inside joke because there's still the, the great majority of people don't even know. They look at something they go, I, I don't know what that is. Uh, um, what, what is it? I've heard of it, but I have no idea what it means or who that guy is. And that's kind of cool to like you're in a group that's like, good. You know what? If if Breaking Bad appealed to the masses, maybe not so interesting anymore because everybody watches it.
10: It's like The Wire, really, where, where people only really started to realize how great the show was um, as it was ending. Um, I believe it's called box set viewing or something.
9: Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's also ironic that that's. How people are watching it it's almost like the drug itself it's addicting you try to just i'll sample it and then all of a sudden i'll take one more i'll just let's let's watch one more and now it's like i gotta and people are watching four or five episodes a day and just they're you know just addicted to it (laughs)
0: lovely chap and a full version of that interview can be found in next week's breaking bad podcast special do we spoil you guys or what? Uh, okay, we've had the third Bond on the show, so why not the eleventh Doctor? Hey, eh? uh, yeah, I know we don't just throw this shit together, you know. Uh, Matt Smith is, of course, the current star of BBC's Doctor Who, and for some. The best. Helen, where do, you, where do you stand on Matt Smith?
1: I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a bit of a David Tennant fan though. So. Ah,
0: the 10th yeah. Doctor. I'm just working backwards. Simple, well simple basic well arithmetic. <laughs> uh, to mark the release of Doctor Who Series 7, episodes 1 to 5 on DVD and Blu-ray, we sent the two-hearted beast, that is Nick and Phil assembly along to the Excel Centre, which is bigger on the inside, strangely enough, uh, to talk about all manner of things with the Time Lord himself.
5: We're very thrilled to be joined by Matt Smith on the Empire Podcast. Matt, welcome. Hello. (laughs) Um, We're here at London Comic Con, and I just want to start by asking, what is the strangest thing you've been asked to sign in your career to date? Well, I don't know, really. I mean, you know, it's. I guess
10: it's more the situation. Like, sometimes if someone says, sign my shoe, and you've got to, like, engineer a position in your (laughs) shoe, or if they don't have anything to sign. I mean, in New York, I remember someone going, oh, can you just sign... It was a woman. Can you just sign my chest? So, you, you know, and you're like... But that's your boob (laughs) you're
5: going to wash it's going to come off Um, so uh, you know hats Doctor Who obviously has huge huge fan base and I just wondered if you'd encountered any surprising fans anyone that sort of come up to you that you wouldn't have put down necessarily as a Whovian that's that's been because I know that Peter Jackson for instance is colossally into Doctor Who
10: there are yeah I met um, I don't know if you've ever seen True Blood but I met uh, Lafayette from True Blood, the actor who plays Lafayette, and he's a really big Doctor Who fan. And I was like, no way! And it, I mean, it, 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 that's what's weird is when you meet people like in other shows that you admire. Like, I hear that uh, I don't know if you've, if you've ever seen any Breaking Bad. The guy that plays yeah. Jesse Pinkman, I think Stephen Moffat met him, and he watches it. And, and and it's things like that. You go, oh wow, cool! Whoopi Goldberg is apparently a big Doctor Who fan, yeah, which is very surprising.
6: Have you had a, a chance to meet Peter Jackson yet? Because yeah. there's been talk of him potentially directing an episode. On,
10: I, I, I met him talk. at Comic-Con and, and, and he came up and I was like, oh, wow. I really, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, I was like, I'm a big fan. Peter's like, yeah, I love Doctor Who. He, he, he seems to like it. So uh, it was exciting. I mean, whether or not he'd ever direct an episode of it, I don't know. He's a busy man, right. what with, you know, Tolkien's body of work. Yeah. Um, um, But, uh, you know, if we could ever get someone like him, it would be extraordinary.
6: Talk of a Doctor Who movie. There's Mm. been that floating around as well. Doctor Who is one of those shows that just seems to get lots of stories and gossip kind of swirling about it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Is that something that's been talked about?
10: Not to me. I mean, you know, I think there was talk by someone in America of it. And, um, you know, I think Stephen very rightly said, well, let's just hang on there a minute. I mean, you know, I'm writing this show at the moment, and if there's going to be a movie, then... I'll probably know about it um, and there's talk of David Yates directing he's a fabulous director he'd do something brilliant with it I'm sure but I think that's sort of a good way down the line and, and it is not something I would be involved in but you know if they want to make a movie anytime soon and I mean and I'd only want to work with Stephen on Doctor Who I, I, I wouldn't be interested in, in, in um doing it with anyone else really I don't think I mean never say never but I think, I think he's the right man to write it and be at the helm of it
5: when it comes to the storylines and the scripts, because yeah. they can they can get complicated on Doctor Who. Yeah. Do you find? Do you have a way of kind of, and does it does it sharpen your kind of understanding and comprehension of, of other sci-fi of worlds structure. of structure? And, yeah. I mean, how do you how, do? Do you get it first time now, or do you have to <clears throat> well, kind of take it away and think about? The great thing about Stephen is he's a master of
10: time and structure in drama. He really is, you know, of moving a story forward at pace. There's no one better, and also, you know. He, what I, what I admire about him is he doesn't patronize by you know it, it it's it's for children so much as well it's for, it's for adults children it's it's a cross kind of generational show but actually he never patronizes people that are younger and goes I'm going to break this down and make it easy but everything if you look at the scripts everything is there you've just got to look and you've got to find the detail in it and that's sort of my job so I you know I I spend a great deal of time making sure that I understand and comprehend everything.
5: Yeah. So when you go and watch Prometheus, you can just get it first time. Well, I haven't
10: seen Prometheus (laughs) yet, which, um you know I hear mixed things about but I mean I love Ridley Scott I love Idris Fassbender on paper it sounds great but were there multiple writers was that the problem do you think I mean I don't know I haven't seen it so I can't comment well, we've only got limited time to get into that Okay, <laughs> okay, okay yeah, would yeah. Take, it would take the whole day
6: Okay, we can talk about Prometheus all day okay. um, but I take it you're quite a big movie buff I know we've yeah I love movies yeah. we interviewed uh, you for the magazine recently and you talked about Indiana Jones yeah. and your love of that yeah. well, what are the other the key kind of Matt Smith films that, that you grew up loving
10: The Goonies you know I mean I think for Who I think Spielberg is a real lesson to any director coming into Who you know just those big wide lenses coming in coming up close stylistically the choices that he makes um, I love I love Lin Ramsey I think I, you know I, I, I thought the movies of the year last year for me were, were shame and we need to talk about Kevin and Tyrannosaur actually I really loved I thought that was fantastic I've got Ratcatcher to watch uh, I love Hitchcock I think he's just master and, and tremendous, and I, so I, I, I've been watching a lot of his stuff lately.
6: So you're looking forward to Anthony uh, Hopkins? Playing yeah,
10: that? yeah. I, I, you know what? I'm more looking forward to Toby Jones because I think he's such a fabulous actor. I mean, Hopkins is, you know, the great, one of the, you know, the true great. But um, but and I know Toby, so so uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what
5: what he does with it. You played a young Ray Fiennes in Imbrus yeah but never made the movie man (laughs) it didn't make the movie and we'd love to see that because that sounds phenomenal how do you channel how do you channel Ray Fiennes well not very well
4: Um,
10: uh, clearly because it didn't make the movie it was only one scene I mean if I did that again now knowing what I know now I'd do it completely differently I tried to channel it and actually what what I should have done was go in and give my version of that character and not try and be Rafe Finds like, because Rafe is such an extraordinary creature and actor that to harness whatever energy he has would be untrue to my energy and communicating that artistically and blah, blah, blah. Um, but, uh, but, you know, wonderful to be associated with a Martin McDonough script who I just think is a fantastic, bold, irreverent, brilliant writer. I love him. I think he's really brilliant
6: We've got a question someone in the office wanted to ask okay, is, far what's away. The, what's
10: the cleverest thing you know what's the cleverest thing about you
6: because obviously as the doctor you, very, you have to play this thing. guy with immense wealth of knowledge I don't
10: know if I could pass on a bit of knowledge to anyone and my dad often repeats this to me when I'm getting stressed because time is never on but there's always so much to do because you want to see your family and learn your lines and all this and all he ever says to me is Matt time is an imposition on one's dignity so that is the cleverest thing I know, I think. And, you know, I think the doctor, that's how he lives, man. Time is, he just doesn't, he's the one. Because, you know, time to me as an idea is the great, that's the great force of, I think, mankind, is time. That's the great omnipotent thing in the world. Time, if there is any, I mean, I'm getting a bit kind of cerebral and all this, but that, and I think dramatically, that's why the, it's such an interesting thing to explore, because it's, that's the thing that's been around forever. And somewhere it started. That is cerebral. Yeah. I'm going
5: to retaliate by asking you. Go for it. <laughs> asking you, when you go to your GP, yeah. does he say to you, hello, doctor, and you go, hello, doctor? Do you yeah, there's... There's kind of there's, there's, interplay. There
10: are a lot of doctor jokes oh, there. in your life when you play the yeah. doctor. Airports, you Did didn't bring the TARDIS. No, because it's on a film set. <laughs> and then I give that look, no, I don't really. Or, I mean, yeah, so there's that. You often get... It's basic, they're basically TARDIS related or, you know, if for instance, you're doing something that involves going through one door to another door you should have bought your screwdriver yeah, <laughs> do one no, no, I'm joking <laughs> um, it's one of the benefits of being a Time Lord, uh, you know I mean, they're just, it's sort of fun fun jokes that happen continually everywhere
5: <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're just going to develop a level of like you just smile smile smile. it's good stuff it's fun though people like really you know they love it and and
10: that's the thing it's Mm. people being like trying to engage and be kind and they're not threatening threatening you like where's your TARDIS yeah where's your TARDIS (laughs) you moron um I mean, you know, maybe that's what they're thinking. Although, although, I did a convention uh, a, while, a while ago. and This woman came up, and she must have come through with 40, 50 things. So, she, you, know, you go and you come back, you go and you come back, you go and you come back, you go and you come back. And she was talking away, and I said, yeah, yeah, you, you know. And I don't know, she was quite strange. And she said, and I said, yeah, you've, you've been through a lot. She says, yeah, I'm just kind of getting it for you know friends and for kind of ebay and stuff because um ever since you've become the doctor i've boycotted it what What? yeah but then there's like 50 things with my face on i'm like well why what what are you doing here (laughs) what
5: is this
10: (laughs) um so that was strange but um yeah i'm rambling
5: rambling. (laughs) um
10: I wanted to ask about the 50th anniversary
6: coming up. I'm not sure what you can say, if anything, but that's been the question people have been asking me to ask
10: you. Yeah, yeah. So can you say anything? Yeah, it's all about um, an otter named Clive (laughs) who turns up in a bow tie, funnily. No, no, it's not. um, No, because I don't know, actually, or I do know. I just can't say anything. Uh, And and um, Stephen has a brilliant idea, and uh, hopefully that's the idea that we'll be able to realise. But we're going to mark it in the most audacious fashion possible and I hope to celebrate the legacy and the history of the show and, 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 and honour everyone that's been in it and I'm very proud to be the sort of incumbent doctor at the moment.
6: You get kind of fan sort of, fantasies isn't quite the right word, that implies something CD, but one of the things that you know real fans want to see is multiple doctors together yeah, doing yeah, stuff, yeah, I guess yeah. you get asked about that a lot. Of course,
10: yeah, but it, you know it, which is a, a wonderful idea for the anniversary I think but I mean, A, that is a Stephen Moffat question because he dictates the the, the storylines and what happens and B, getting multiple doctors now is... is I don't know, because it's a different age and actually getting them all back in one room I, isn't the easiest thing in the world, I wouldn't have thought. What is the highest number of doctors
6: that you have been in a room with?
10: Ooh, good question. Two, I think. Okay, which is Chris, probably, Chris and David. No, Davidson and Tennant probably, I think. Or maybe even one. No, Paul McGann as well. No, yeah, two.
6: Looking back, I guess that it, you're doing so many episodes and the pace of it is so fast, you don't get much of a chance to look back. But mm. if you could look back over all the episodes you've done so far, has there been one that's stood out?
10: Oh, yeah, that's good especially. a <laughs> well it's difficult because they stand out for different reasons like I love working with James Corden you know I love Karen and Arthur so much that I think the 11th hour and making it and the, at the time we were making it and getting through that and how it turned out was that's always going to be have a really special place I love the Big Bang from season one I love the Van Gogh episode you know there's, for, for different things I think one of the strongest ones we've done is A Christmas Carol with Michael Gambon so for different reasons and being, I'm, I mean I'm ultimately quite biased towards them but you've got Richard E. Grant
5: mm. as your nemesis I think we're allowed to say that you are because you are. that's out there how's that and amazing does he, does I mean, he, and for me we're, we're probably a similar One. I was going to say probably what you were about to say I think
10: from well, with now yeah, I, well. got, I got him to repeat <laughs> booze I need booze yeah and tell me about it and um, and he's just the most charming glorious man uh, you know he's everything you want him to be Richard E. Grant um And for us, for our generation, that was, I don't know if you went to university or whatever, but that's the film, isn't it? That's the film you watch and go laugh. And and him and Paul, you know, Mm. both extraordinary in it. And I mean, and and that scene at the end in the rain, the speech... That's from right. Hamlet it, yeah, it's, it's just very fantastic poignant. yeah and in the pub when the, when they're going to get threatened he's like give me a double whiskey a <laughs> shot of gin <laughs>
5: <laughs> um, he makes a grave I have mud. a hard condition <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you punch me it'll be murder <laughs> it, it's, and that's presumably a, a double with Noel crossover with Doctor Who I guess because was uh, a Paul? Uh, yeah. pool there as well so maybe presuming Ed potentially for a cameo
10: yeah who knows right they could meet and then Oh man, yeah. I mean, God knows where that would go.
6: Uh, and just as a final question, we know you love Radiohead.
10: Yeah. If you had to do a Radiohead karaoke song, which would it be? Oh God, is this is this assuming that I'm like that I for for one song could be a really good singer? Yes. No, or just to do it anyway. <laughs> okay. Do you know I love weird fishes. And um, weird fishes. there's so many Radiohead songs that I love. But I think that's an extraordinary song. Or if I could play on something. It's on Kid A. I mean, I love Power To Disappear Completely as well. That's amazing. But the um and there and there and there and there and there the there and there and there What's there and there track yeah and there and there amazing. You're they're amazing.
6: you do all the instrumentation as well.
10: Yeah, verbally, with an otter
6: i'll book a room at lucky voice yeah it sounds incredible kind <laughs> fantastic
10: is is that a karaoke place it is entire. i have a real disdain and distaste for karaoke just for the record
6: we did uh i'm not a big fan of it either we did do bondioki uh, after we saw skyfall we went down right. and did all the bond songs in order
10: that yeah. sounds like hell i shouldn't be admitting <laughs> <all>. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> you won't join us for the next one then <laughs> i'm sorry my friend i'll watch from the distance grumpily that's sort of what i do go
0: Matt Smith thank you very much it's been an absolute pleasure yeah
10: yeah thanks for having me on
0: Phil yes what did you make of Batsmith 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 yeah is that
4: the guy who makes Batman's weapons he lives in the roof of Excel and he flies around
5: (laughs) (laughs) I thought he was he was a really lovely guy Um, there was one there was one slightly awkward moment where we were talking about where we were talking about his, his food, his fish fingers and custard that his doctor has to eat. And we were saying, what's that like? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. And he said, it's great, but have you tried it? It's great for kids. Do you do you have do you have kids? I don't know if you've got kids. And Nick and I were just like we had one microphone, so we didn't have quite how to answer. So we just looked at him blankly and he went, Well, do you have maybe nephews and nieces? And it was like the same story. And Nick and I were just like, I don't know. If I grab the mic, it's gonna look like I'm I may come out wrong and it may sound a bit weird. So we just sort of said nothing, and didn't really And then he said, Well, I don't know if you like kids And he just and it got do, quite dark we, just no, it just we just sort of stuffed blankly, is, I wish I could do that bit again. Because I think he thought we were some kind of like child catching weirdos. Honestly, we do for the record, I have lots lots of God kids I love kids Matt I don't know if you're listening but that bit was weirder than it was intended Um, the price of this podcast is (laughs) dropping by the second sorry about that yeah sorry Disney's going to put Disney off (laughs)
0: Um,
5: (laughs) Uh, but he was a lovely guy and and really down to earth and and, uh, and, and charming and you know just I think it's a bit of a fry when you go to these big events everybody wants a piece of you and he was sort of you know you get guided from one thing to the next but he just seemed like a really relaxed nice guy very passionate works incredibly hard on this show Mm. grueling I think the hours they work (laughs)
0: okay it is the home stretch now this is the part where we fly casual as a a Star Wars reference Uh, it's the week's reviews now we're not going to tackle Paul Thomas Anderson's the master this week Um, do you think that's do you think he meant the film to be said that way so it made the other Paul (laughs) Anderson feel bad which Paul Thomas say,
1: Anderson's the master. Yeah,
0: Paul Thomas Anderson's the master. Yeah. Now, we're not going to tackle Paul Thomas Anderson's the master this week because it only opens at the Odeon West End in London. Um,
2: it doesn't go wide across the UK for another fortnight, so Ooh, we'll talk that's, about that's it very then. very good. That's very good because it's, it's obviously shot in 70mm. In uh, but it's, it's very rarely done and... Uh I obviously I'm not going to review the film but we saw The Master recently and they started showing it in 70mm and it all went horribly wrong and they had to restart it in digital what do you mean was it all went horribly wrong, wrong characters it, were dying I think, they were I meant think to the, die no, yes <laughs> that's it, it was, there was the Death Star turned up. I'm fairly <laughs> certain it wasn't in the original uh, screenplay um, no they, they, there was some problem, technical difficulties in the projection booth so they pulled the 70mm screening and played it digitally instead put, it on um, yes, <laughs> put on a Beta Max yes i put on a different version but, it's
0: supposed uh, to be Death Race he <laughs> will use puppets to tell the story yeah. uh, ok so we're not going to talk about that now we're going to talk in two weeks time uh, which leaves us this week with fairly good selection I think mm. uh, and let's begin with Rust and Bone which is uh, Shaq Odiard's uh, acclaimed drama starring Marianne Cotillard as a, a killer whale trainer who loses her legs in a terrible tragedy have I got this right Phil is that the right mm. synopsis of this movie it's free William meets love and then there's all sorts of
5: overcoming obstacles and stuff free William meets a good German you hmm. <laughs> <laughs> keep banging that drum until it gets funny, which it won't. Um yeah, I, I love this film, I have to say, I've seen it twice and um I really love Jacques Audiard's films. The Beat My Heart Skipped and mm. especially A Prophet which oh, r- which received rapt reviews, um, and rightly so. Mm-hmm. Um he has a incredible sort of velocity and power to his filmmaking and um, I actually met him interviewed him about the film and and, and talked to his cast members Marion Cotillard who again is fantastic she seems to be resolutely awesome in just about everything she does I'm going to say Matthias' surname wrong so apologies but Chouinard's I think Belgian actor who Sinatra
4: Sinatra
5: (laughs) (laughs) Matthias Sinatra Um, you may have seen him Bullhead which um, he was terrific and he's great in this again he has a kind of it's a very the acting is very naturalistic he said they were doing maybe three or four takes the actors would get a take Odiard works really closely has a really strong idea for how he wants the performances to be and and this is a film of great performances all the way through some people would say that I mean you're right the synopsis I don't really want to dwell on the plot because there is obviously this big incident that kind of changes the direction but it's really about people, just human relationships and it's beautifully done. It's very understated in a way that perhaps a Hollywoodized version wouldn't be. The way that these two characters, Cotillard, Stephanie, who's a marine land killer whale trainer, mm-hmm. and Ali, the Shonats character, come together. It's not, there's none of the kind of big emotional beats. It's just a real sympathetic portrayal of two people that are trying to help themselves through a really, really difficult time. Um, it's very moving on that level um, and it's beautifully shot. It's got a great Alexander de Platt score as well, which really complements the mood. And it's kind of a mood piece as well. Highly recommended. We give it 4 stars. You sound like you're bordering on 5. Well, no, I was close to a 5. I guess you could argue that some of the subplots don't perhaps gel. Um Ali brings along his 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 kid's son who's about 4 or 5 and he kind of drifts in and out of the piece a little bit. Okay. Um there's a subplot where Ali is is working a, a surveillance guy, um, going into fa- going into shops and just spying on the employees to make sure they're not nicking stuff. Right, which again is it's subsidiary. Really, it's more of a plot device, perhaps, and it's maybe a reflection of the fact that this film was taken from a collection of short stories. That there's not really one kind of narrative thread: the marine land or this you know, surveillance business don't really dominate. It's okay. it's it's a character piece. Yeah.
1: Okay. It's worth saying it's very much a two hander, I think, because, you know, all the all the kind of pipe in the press is kind of focused on Kotyarka's obviously she's a much bigger name. But it's really a, a very evenly divided film and it feels to it felt to me like um one of those kind of Quasi love stories that the French do really, really well. I mean, I'd put it with the girl, the girl on the bridge, and, and maybe to, to an e- even almost in a very, very weird way, Leon, which it's it's not your typical rom com. It's not your typical story like that. But at the same time, you know, it is very much about the connection between these two people, and that's that's kind of what drives it. I thought it was terrific.
5: Mm. It's great. It's great on that level as a film about connections. Mm. It's lovely. It's also, I think, what the French do really well is they make really frank films about sex, yeah. which aren't coy. And, you know, it, this is, I, I haven't seen, you know, this is a film that has, they have a, this booty call device where, you know, she'll text him just as OP, which basically means, are you free? For you know, for sex, and it's the way that the sex is is shot, the scenes, the CGI with the the amputation is incredible as well. But it's just you know the characters aren't there to sort of feel sorry for themselves or for each other, and therefore you as an audience member aren't invited to do that either. You're there to really accept them for who they are as people, for their flaws as well as their strengths, and it treats you as an audience member like an adult, which is mm. you know beautiful. And um, I think Jacques Audiard is a phenomenal director, mm. and I can't wait. You I know, mean, he's got he's got a lot of films ahead of him I think he's going to be you know making brilliant films for a long time to come indeed indeed fantastic four stars and that leads us on as well to a film that's opening on Wednesday
0: of next week but we'll bring it forward uh, it's the current Oscar frontrunner which is Ben Affleck's Argo which yes. is I guess a story about one of the most extraordinary CIA operations uh, over the last three or four decades that we know of yes that we, that we know of absolutely and <laughs> this is Homeland. This, this is a story that actually appeared as a backstory weirdly enough in an issue of Vampire about four years ago
1: yes um, it was was being sort of it had been fairly recently declassified at that point it was sort of late 90s it was declassified Um, and and yes it's the story of uh, basically it's set around the time of the iranian hostage crisis Um, so the u.s embassy in iran was basically raided after the fall of the shah and the government took everybody in it hostage and that was a huge international incident everybody knew about that it was a a massive massive deal and it lasted for over a year Mm -hmm. what people didn't know was that six of the embassy staff um, escaped just before the wall came down and took refuge in the canadian ambassador's house And they obviously had to try and figure out a way to get these people out of the country because they would be, you know, shot as spies having been hiding out for so long. But, you know, there was a limited number of ways, obviously, to get an, an American out of Iran at that point. So a CIA agent called Tony Mendez basically came up with an idea of inventing a fake film and sending in a fake Canadian scouting crew. Uh, to Iran as if they were going to shoot there and and flying these people out as members of that crew. Yeah. So he flew in solo and then pretended his crew were somewhere already there and then fl- flew these people out as his crew um, and that's the basic idea as Brian Cranston's CIA boss calls it "This is the best bad idea we have," and the result is a film. I mean, this is the story of the mission. The, the result is unbearably tense at times, really, really claustrophobic. Amazing sense of seventies place. I mean, it looks like a seventies movie. Just the grain of the film, the colors. I mean, down
0: to the uh, the logo at the beginning of the film. Down to the logo at yeah. the beginning of the film. The Even I mean,
1: the, the horrendous hair, the awful clothes. <laughs> you know, it's it's, Everybody's it's designed. Everybody's smoking all the time. It's so shocking to watch now
0: on an airplane no less that. <laughs> that's true <laughs> yeah
1: but uh but you know an absolutely terrific piece of filmmaking ben affleck also stars he gave himself the role of mendez um but it's not a kind of you know cushy leading man's role this is not a glamorous um or, or a particularly showy role he's kind of a schlubby guy who is just focused very much on getting the job done i mean there's a bit of guff about his you know estranged wife and child but really He's, he's focused on the task at hand and, uh, and it's terrific there's a little bit of kind of Hollywood satire in there where they go to Hollywood to set up this film and you've got Alan Arkin as a fictional producer kind of just delivering these, these really condemnatory lines about mm. Hollywood itself and John um,
0: Goodman as a... and John
1: Goodman as the actual award winning makeup artist John Chambers yeah. who obviously wore, won an Oscar for Planet of the Apes um, and worked on all of those films who was actually involved in all of this so it's, I mean it's a fascinating piece of history apart from anything else
0: And the balance it gets between those two storylines is...
1: It's it's a difficult tightrope to walk because the the tension and the humour could derail one another. Um, Especially, you know, obviously the the Hollywood stuff is occasionally very, very funny. But does that take away from, you know, the hostage drama going on in the background? Well, luckily here it doesn't.
5: It it manages to avoid being navel-gazy about Hollywood in a self-congratulatory... I mean, it is a story where Hollywood came through and saved the day, ultimately. But, there's, you know, there's lines like... You could take a, you could teach a rhesus monkey to be a director in a day, kind of thing, you know. <laughs> which Ben Affleck, credit to him, has got in his in his film, and I'm sure it took him more than a day to work out how to make like you know the town or. Um, so yeah, I, I wonder from the Oscar point of view, will will they will they want to have two films in consecutive years that are both essentially about kind of filmmaking and about Hollywood? I um, totally think, I think this way, one's I'll different
1: enough. Yeah, I don't think they they look at their overall record because if they did, they'd make different choices. Yeah. I think they make the, the decision that they make in the year.
5: Yeah, um, I, I wonder. I loved it. I wonder if it's if it's the best best film. I
1: thought movie. it was
5: fantastic, and it's getting it's getting some flack. You can tell it's the Oscar front runner at the moment because
0: um and obviously Lemis Arap hasn't been seen by anybody. Yes, I think I think that's yeah.
1: especially is a is a big big dark yeah. not even a dark horse. It's a light coloured horse.
0: I think that's the one waiting to come thundering yeah. into the race. But we shall see we'll about that see, one. But we'll you see. can tell it's a front runner at the moment because people are beginning to have a bit of a backlash against it. They're beginning to pick apart the ending, for example, which. Which does take certain liberties and certain thriller-style liberties with with the, the the escape from Iran, which work perfectly well as a movie, and I, I guess have to be in there in a way to to up the tension a little bit, but. Uh, you can tell there's almost, yeah. there's almost a Get Argo campaign going at the moment which you can tell there was a Get Artist campaign a couple of years last well, year well I'll
1: tell you what when you see the film this the meaning of this phrase will become clear but really Argo yeah yeah uh, they, they, there's a repeated line in the film which I think is probably going to be or should be Ben Affleck's answer to all those critics <laughs> what's, that, what's this, that line Helen? I wouldn't I couldn't possibly say it on a public podcast my goodness
5: Absolutely right, because you are a lady. I'm a lady. I think absolutely. It's a movie. It's a lot of fun. You know, he doesn't He didn't make the movie to be an Oscar front runner. It doesn't need to be, you know, necessarily 100% credible as a piece of history.
0: That's it for the big reviews this week. We've also got the likes of Michael J. Bassett's Silent Hill Revelations, which has already opened by the time you listen to this podcast, but which at the time of recording we hadn't seen. So check out the website for our review of that. And that's a sequel, of course, to Silent Hill, which, James, you, you, you quite like. You could have a soft spot for it
2: the original Silent Hill I I do and I don't I I have a soft spot for the way it was um, executed I think Christoph Gans did actually a quite good job in in capturing the essence of Silent Hill in terms of the imagery the vibe the thing he didn't capture was anything even remotely approaching scares I think the problem is the games are terrifying and the film was profoundly not (laughs) uh, which is what I'm hoping the second film addresses I saw a couple of uh,
0: sequences from it at Comic Con and I thought they were pretty Mm. spooky so we shall see yeah, I'm, we shall see I, I, I very much would like to see it I'm hearing I'm hearing decent things uh, there's lots more as well this week including two five star horror films one is a surprise it is a film called Excision uh, which our Kim Newman gave five stars two stars Annalyn McCord who I believe is in the new Beverly Hills 90210 yes she is she is indeed and uh, she stars as a character that Kim describes as the love child of Carrie and Napoleon Dynamite the oddball hero of a truly impressive eccentric teen horror five stars and uh, I'm hearing that from other sources as well this it is a bit of a gem so go catch Excision if you can there's also the re-release of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining which uh, is a plucky little horror film that should do well if you <laughs> give it a chance uh, you can go along and see how that holds up of course to post Room 237 scrutiny and there are innocuous comedies fun size and for a good time call as well and that is it Ooh. that's it yeah that's it for this week's Empire Podcast. It's a massive, banthesized Empire Podcast. Join us next week for more film-related fun. Mark Miller, as we've already mentioned, will be dropping by to talk about Kick-Ass 2 and a lot more. And Peter Serafinowicz, the voice of Darth Maul, will be in to talk about his new book, A Billion Jokes. Or if Disney are listening, Four Billion Jokes. Um, until then, it is goodbye from Helen.
1: May the force be with you.
0: <laughs> goodbye from Phil. Goodbye. Goodbye from James. Don't make me destroy you. <laughs> and goodbye from me. Uh, Disney, if you're listening, I'm willing to take offers. and It's now down to 50p. See you next week.